Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to Russ Podcast tonight. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience that you want to share on the show? Are you religious? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You could reach out to me at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. You could go find me on social media, guys. I'm over there also. Just find me. Send me a message. Let's have a conversation. Woo, guys, we got a heater tonight again. Sister Doreen Burke came back on with me, gave me a three-hour resume for God, literally, hands down. This uh, She comes on to share the testimony of her late husband, Dan Burrett, which we talked a little bit about in her episode, all the way from when, uh, you know, from from his upbringing, which wasn't, uh, he didn't have any religious background at all. And Sister Doreen got saved first, and she went six years in their marriage before he, he came to the Lord. So she walks us through um, all of it. And then after he got saved, how the Lord called, Dan Dan did uh, construction, and she explains uh, in great detail what the Lord did uh, and how he moved the pieces of Dan's life and her life uh, from construction all the way through, you know, owning his own business and getting called out of the business and into the ministry uh, to evangelize and be a missionary and just travel the world and preach the message of the cross and just, you know, uh, Brother Dan Burrett was the Bible outreach for Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. And he passed away uh, July of 2020, which was only a short couple months after I got saved. So I didn't, I never got to meet Brother Dan, unfortunately, but I will meet him in, in glory one day. And I'm looking forward to it. But uh, Brother Dan, uh, we talk about in this episode, after he passed, Donnie Swagger uh, gave a little memorial uh, on one of the Sunday services uh, remembering Dan. And they they somehow, based on, I don't know who they talked to or, or where they got it, but uh, Brother Dan distributed over 800,000 expositor study Bibles for the ministry all over the world. This is an amazing testimony. This is an amazing resume of what God can do. You guys are gonna, you know, just sit back, relax. If the time goes as fast as it did for us, it's gonna go just as fast for you. And this is worth every last second. And I pray you guys, you know, really take this in because this is an example of what God will do in anybody's life. If you surrender your heart, your life, your will, everything to God, give it over to God, trust Him, trust Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross for every facet of your life, not just your salvation, but your victorious living and your day-to-day, every day. You, we need to die daily. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this testimony of what God can do. All right, guys. Sister Doreen Burt back in the hot seat tonight. Long time no talk, Doreen. How you doing? Yeah, right. 
Uh, well, I told you, God's done so much for me, I can't tell it all, so you're giving me another chance. Hey, yeah, so. hey, amen, I'll give you all the chances in the world, because, you know, right now, you're the only one wanting to come on the show, so. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah, yeah it, you know, it's it's funny, I was, uh, every day I'm online trying to, to, you know, and it's, I don't even mind if somebody has an opposing viewpoint, like, come on and just have a discussion about doctrine or something, and I was online, uh, I found a, an apostolic oneness page on Instagram and they were posting some nonsense about their doctrine. And, and I made a comment and I got lit up. I got attacked by these people saying I'm a fool and a moron if I believe in the Trinity. And I'm like, oh, hmm. man, this is the world of <laughs> the church we're living in. It's 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 insane. Right. I know. And, and so many times, I mean, I don't want to get off on the tangent, but. They spend their energy trying to convert the saved. <laughs> yeah, right. Instead of trying to, instead of trying to preach the lost a lot. Yeah, it, you know, it's. I didn't even notice. That's a good, uh, and good observation. Let me, throw, let me throw this out real quick, since you just broached Trinity. When Jesus was water baptized, the whole the Father mm, spoke. spoke to him yep. and said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased." He was in heaven speaking, yep. and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Yeah, there's so all three right there. We also Genesis one twenty six. Let us make man in our image, right? According to our likeness. It wasn't let me make man in my image. It was plural. Yeah, it's uh, and even Elohim is a unipolar noun, so you know, it's just crazy how they they come up with uh, you know, all of their their idea, like especially oneness, and like they're really big on baptizing water baptizing in the the name of Jesus only. And I told these guys like Matthew twenty eight nineteen is the only uh, formula given on water baptism was given by the Lord himself. And the kid says, uh, he says, you're missing one thing. You got to look at the whole verse. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, what's the name? It says name, not names. Father ain't a name. Son ain't a name. Ghost is a noun, here modified by the adjective holy, but it still ain't a name. Like, what are they? <laughs> I have no idea where they come up with this stuff. Because God is one. He's not one in quantity. Right. He's one in unity, in agreement. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three agree as one. It's the same concept as when God brought Eve to Adam. He said, you know, <sighs> now you are no longer for this cause, a man shall be joined to his wife, and they are no longer two flesh, but one. One, right. Well, when a husband and wife are joined, they become one flesh. Even legally, you become responsible for each other's debts. You co-own things. You're, you know, the laws were set up that way here. And you're still two people, but you're one couple. Amen. But you're supposed to be one in agreement and in unity and purpose and, you know, and that's what God wants. And I'll say one other thing since, since this subject came up. I was teaching a Sunday school class the other day, and I was teaching on the promises of God, and I was teaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And one of their verses, um, 
Oh, what is it? It's it's Acts two thirty eight. That's what these kids mentioned. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that was right. Okay, I think that might be two twenty nine. I mean, I'm looking it up right now because I want to get it right. Let me see. Yeah, okay. this kid tried telling me Acts two thirty eight was. Peter giving the bap the formula for water baptism, right, is what so, he tried saying. There it is. Okay, and Peter said unto them, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost." Okay, that's thirty nine. Is the one I just quoted for the promises unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we were talking about conditional promises. So we talked about, you know, the condition is repent and be baptized. But as I was studying it out, that there are two words for baptized right. in the Greek, bapto yeah. and baptizo. Yep. And it talks about the two different ones. And it's interesting because this Greek scholar guy, he talks about a recipe for pickles. That was in ancient Rome. And so in the recipe, they happen to use both words. So they say, take the cucumber and bapto it in boiling water. So that meant to dip it in. Just, you know, put it in real quick. You're doing that because you're killing the bacteria on it and all the fungus and whatever, all the germs. Like so a blanch. So you just put in boiling water for, for just a few seconds just to sterilize it. Then you baptismo it in the vinegar. So it stays in the vinegar until a change is undergone. And so that word is to stay underneath and so when you do repent and be baptized, everyone in in the name of Jesus Christ, baptizo. So. No. Yeah, and you know, no, nobody thinks to do Greek words. I mean, everybody just sticks to the English translation they're using. They never look at the root words or, or any of the Greek word studies or even Hebrew studies. It's, it's real easy to uh, call out false teachings. <clears throat> So, yes, yeah, so so that's talking about we are baptized into Christ. We're submerged or immersed into Christ, and it's an it's a ongoing thing. We're there. Right. So that we take on Christ's identity. We're in him. He's in us. And that's what it's talking about. When you do that to the, to the cucumber, it changes into a pickle. Right. Because the vinegar changes it. And when we're immersed into Christ, it's not a quick dip. Yeah. We're put into him. No, you're not. As many of you were baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. You mm -hmm. know, we were immersed into him, crucified with him. We died to our old self. And if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. And so it our immersion into christ our baptism into christ which is not talking about water right it's by faith is, yes it, it's yep. it's our identification <clears throat> with him it's it's in the mind of god in the economy of god and the justice of god we're placed in christ right. as if we were in christ in his perfect righteous life as if we were in christ on the cross buried with him 
through baptism into that tomb with him and then rose to newness of life. It's a symbolism <clears throat> of what spiritually takes place. The old Doreen is dead. She doesn't exist anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So old things are passed away. Everything's become new. I have a new identity, just like a cucumber and a pickle taste different, you know? Yep. Yeah. And, and the, the pickle will last a whole lot longer, too. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Paul lays it out in Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 3 and 4. And I try, you know, Brother Swagger, he always taught it, but like to tell people like, some of these oneness people, they don't understand that there's three different types of baptisms. You have the the one Paul mentions in Romans 6, you know, you're, we're baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ by faith when we get saved. Then you have water baptism, which is the, um, the outward sign to the world of what Christ has already done on the inside, and then the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you know, the evidence of right. tongues. And they just... The, the, you can't put water in some, like in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, it just doesn't fit. So I, I don't but, know what they do. <laughs> but people just automatically think water if you use the word baptize. And then right. there was another one. Well, they talked about John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. And so that was a symbol in water of the repentance. And then there was a baptism of suffering. Jesus talked about that, too. Right. So, you know, there, some were symbolic and some were physical and literal into water amen i can i can take this phone right now and submerge it into a bag of sand i can baptize it into the bag of sand <laughs> yeah. you know and that's not water it just means to be immersed into something right amen so so yes we have to study things out we have to study to show ourselves approved, a workman, not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. And so it, it was eye-opening for me because I had never studied that passage out. And so then when I did, I'm like, oh, it's not even talking about water baptism in yeah, that passage. Right. It's talking about being immersed into the name of, of Jesus. And the name is the authority. Amen. So... Well, I'll have to bring you back on. We'll do another episode just on false teachings. I mean, we could, we could go all night on this. I mean, oh, yeah. You, so. you just pick one, and you could we could do a whole episode on each one of them. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So let's. Uh, you, we're going to get into to, um, Dan's testimony tonight, and uh, I don't I don't think you mentioned it in your episode, but. What was, uh, for the listeners' sake, uh, what was um, the exact affiliation that you guys had with Jimmy Swaggart Ministries? Was Dan part, um, something with the Bible outreach for the the Bible program? Came, yes, the Lord. <laughs> oh, I, I mentioned last time that Dan just got ahead of God sometimes. If he saw uh, the door hit a slight crack or looked like it might be a jar, he went running through it, you know, yeah. like, okay, let's Head go. First. And, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and it's interesting because before Brother Sweat, oh, the whole Bible distribution, that's a testimony, you know, of itself. Okay. But before he started doing that, as he was coming out with the Expositor's Study Bible, he started with the New Testament. And so we, at that time, we were going to teach people in the Philippines. We were evangelizing. We were teaching the message of the cross. We were doing pastor's conferences. So we would buy as many New Testaments as we, well, we would buy some, but you were, 
we could only bring just so many. They weighed right. 11 ounces each. You know, you have to put them in your luggage. You're traveling overseas. And not only that, but once we got to Manila, we had to take this little plane to the island we were going. And you paid per kilo for your luggage. Wow. So we we were limited by our luggage space and the cost of it, how many we could bring. But we would bring the New Testaments and we would give them out to pastors. And then later we brought a few of the Bibles, but they weighed four pounds a piece. Yeah. So so it's like that's, you know, pretty much two kilos, you know, when you add the ounces in there. And so so we couldn't bring many of those, but we would do what we could. I remember bringing them into oh, Mexico and. I believe it was Honduras, and we just have them in our suitcases. And then we'd be, you know, going through the the immigration thing, and they'd be opening them up, looking to see if we hid anything inside of them. Was there money in there? Were there drugs in there? And all this stuff. And uh, no. so we were doing it before he was doing it. Yeah. And and let me okay, let me share this testimony. <clears throat> so we were in the Philippines. And we're scheduled to go to the island of Mindanao for one month. Mindanao is full of communists and Muslims. And it's interesting. <laughs> There's power in words for God and for the devil. And I'm thinking nothing of it. That's just part of what we're doing. So all of a sudden, a lot of our good Christian brothers start asking me, oh, so are you afraid to go to Mindanao? I'm like, no. Oh. The Muslims have had uprisings recently. They just kidnapped some Baptist preachers. And then someone else says, oh, you're afraid to go to Mindanao? I said, no. I said, well, there's a lot of foreigners there. The cemetery is full of foreigners. You know, yeah. in other words, they kill them all. Yeah. And then somebody says, are you afraid to go to Mindanao? I'm like, no. And then they're telling me of, you know, how somebody else just got killed. And so now the next person asked me, are you afraid to go to Mindanao? And I'm thinking I'm starting to get afraid. <laughs> 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 Should I be worried here? Everybody's saying something. Well, anyway, the day before we go to that island, Obama comes on and he says, all Americans leave Mindanao now. Oh, man. <laughs> and we're getting ready to go for a month because the Muslims were having uprisings and people were being killed and everything else. So now we're going there. Dan's telling me, <clears throat> he said, all right, put your hair in a braid, wear long sleeves, you know, cover up. I'm like, damn, unless I got a full burqa with gloves, they're going to know I don't fit in here. I don't <laughs> yeah. match. You yeah. know, I'm fair skin. My hair is blonde. You know, they're right. gonna, my eyes aren't the same color. There's no way I can just hide. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I did what I could to do it. And then when we're on the plane, Dan says, listen, if we do get kidnapped, we just got to go along with them because they we can't jeopardize the team. They don't want the Filipinos. They just want us. So we just got to go along. Well, now my mind starts playing more tricks on me. And I start thinking about what's going to happen <clears throat> after I'm kidnapped and before they chop chop off my arms and legs and kill oh, me and all man. the stuff and all the things. <laughs> so I'm praying. I'm quoting verses. I'm taking authority over demons. I'm binding them. I'm loosening them. I'm asking God to rebuke the devourer. But a spirit of fear came on me, I'll tell you. And so we get there. We're at the hotel. We're settling in. I jump in the shower. And all of a sudden, Dan comes and says, hey, I found this pizza place like three doors down. When you're done, 
just get out of the hotel, turn left. It's just three or four doors down. You'll see it. You can't miss it. And I'm like, what? You're leaving me? <laughs> Don't worry. Just turn left. You'll find it. It's oh, right man. there. <laughs> and so now I'm thinking it's going to be dark out. He's not even going to know when I leave. If I get kidnapped, he's not even going to know I'm gone. He he knows I take a long time. I'm unpredictable. And and he's not even going to be looking for me. <laughs> and my mind is doing all this stuff. In the meantime, again, I'm quoting all these verses. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love and of a sound mind. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing's helping, <laughs> really. I'm praying in tongues. I'm doing everything I know to do. <sighs> but I get to the, I did make it to the restaurant. I walked in. And I said to Dan, I can't believe you left me. What if what if I did get kidnapped? You wouldn't even be looking for me. You wouldn't know I was coming. It's <laughs> yeah. dark out there. And the one Filipino from Norway who had set up our trip, he just stands up at the table. He goes, this is nothing but a spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of fear to leave. And it left. Wow. And it was gone for the entire month. I never had. We traveled that whole island. And I never had fear again that time. Wow. So now, the reason I told that, now our next trip, we're going to Mexico. And and, and there's been a lot of stuff going on in Mexico, different places we went with the cartel. You know, you're looking at the newspaper, everyone's talking about it. Well, 69 people were killed last night. That's a record, you know, for no. this town and, you know, <laughs> and just the stuff. And so we're getting ready to go down there. And I'm like, well, I didn't want that. You know, I know that's not what you want. I know you don't give us a spirit of fear. There's no glory for you if I'm afraid. I don't want to bring reproach on your name. You know, perfect love casts out fear. You know, I was asking God to perfect me in love. You know, it wasn't working. So I'm like, Lord, can you give me something so I don't have that fear? And waiting, you know, over the next few weeks, I'm just... I'm waiting for a scripture verse, something in a song, something, you know, a word from the Lord, a prayer. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to speak to me. And so I put the TV on with SBN on, but I don't watch it. I just, you know, I go about my business and listen to it. Just turn the volume. But I happened to be in there. And we were going with a preacher named Mike McMullen at the time. And we were going to bring our Bibles. So we ordered a case he ordered three cases you know he was picking them up we were meeting them there and then we were going to bring them across the border and like i said they weighed you know four pounds a piece so you know that's 48 of them so we just we were limited how many we could bring and so because we were flying so anyway brother swagger during the bible thons then brother swagger offered the bibles at half price but there was no outreach and so Brother Swagger was just reading the names of people who wanted a Bible at half price. And so all of a sudden he stops. He's got a big, thick stack of papers in his hands. And I'm walking through the living room and I stop. The Lord just stopped me dead in my tracks. And then he says, you know what? This brother is going to go to Mexico. And he just ordered these Spanish Bibles. And he's going to take them down there. And we need to help. And if anybody wants to pay for a Bible for these ministers to take to another country, then just, you know, call up and give a donation for that. And, and the spirit of God came all over me. I was just weeping, sobbing, weak, need. And 
that was my sign from the Lord that this is of me. I'm doing this. You're doing my stuff. And don't worry about it. And we ended up, when Brother Swagger started doing that, we, you know, you don't even know how God does stuff. He just does it. Yeah. You know, we don't plan it. We don't do it. It just happens and it falls into place. And so we ended up being a part of the Bible distribution in so many countries. And, and we ended up, God, as he made contacts for us in the ministry, then it would just open up contacts for avenues for distributors for the Expositor Study Bible through, you know, like presidents of of pastors alliances through heads of denominations through different people presidents of bible colleges you know just different places that god opened it up and i was surprised when brother donnie did a a memorial um remembrance in one of the sunday services right after dan passed and he said he talked to the the people in charge and found out that Dan had a part in distributing over 862,000 expositor study Bibles. Wow. You know? Yeah. I had no idea. You know, we were just doing what we were doing, you know, <laughs> and the grass was not growing under our feet. Yeah. We were, we were just going. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah. So the Lord just opened that up and did that and it became just part of what we were involved in. And now some of those same people who distributed the Expositor Study Bible, now they are distributing Dan's book in those countries. And, yeah. and how God sets things up. He does things in order. You know, the first thing God did in creation was he made light. Well, good. You can see now. <laughs> yeah. There's no more chaos, you know. Right. And then he separated the light and the darkness. You know, we're not supposed to have part with the unfruitful works of darkness. We're translated at the, the kingdom of God's son and in his light. And God separates us from that. And so he separated that. And he wants us separate. Then he separated the waters above and the waters below. Because his stuff is not ours. As high as heaven is above earth, so much higher are God's ways and thoughts than ours. And then he separated the dry land from the water. Because the stuff of earth is different than the water, which symbolizes the movement of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so he just did things in order. And then now that he has land, now he can make plants. He didn't make plants before there wasn't any land. And he didn't make animals before there was food to feed them. He made the plants before so the animals would have something to eat. Yep. My point being, he's a God of order. He does things for a reason. He, sometimes something doesn't happen because he has other stuff he has to do first. And so he does things at the right time, the right way, in the right order. <clears throat> and we got to trust him and we got to be patient and we got to wait on him. And even stuff we don't understand, we got to learn other stuff before we can understand some of the other things that he wants to teach us. And until we learn that, we can't go on. You know, you can't do calculus if you don't know multiplication. And right. and you got to learn addition before you can, you know, do some of that multiplication. And then you got to understand what does five mean? You know, we're not born knowing what that means. So we got to we got to learn what numbers mean. So when you have five plus 
three, we can come up with eight because now we have a concept of it. Right. Well, we can't understand parts of the Bible because there's stuff we haven't learned yet. And it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and God just adds to it bit by bit and one layer upon the next layer. And every time you go through reading the Bible, and you should read it from Genesis to Revelation because it starts within the beginning yep. and it ends with the end of time. There is a progression there. It's not totally chronological, but overall it is. And then when you go back and start reading again, you're going to get more next time and the next time and the next time because <clears throat> you're bringing back what you just learned last time. And so... That's part of God's thing to teach us. Amen. Glory to God. It's amazing. Almost a million Bibles that Dan was. Oh, that's. I, you know, I think I remember because uh, Dan had passed in what July of 2020. You said. That's correct. Yeah, and I got saved in March, and I remember <clears throat> um, Donnie doing that memorial service and mentioning that. Hmm. And um, I never, you know, I wish I got to meet meet Dan. And uh, mm-hmm. I was just talking to Pastor Mike the other day about him, and he was telling me some stories of uh, you guys all. I think it was Honduras, and he said, uh, "He said Kirk, he was he was like nobody I've ever met, and it was amazing." <laughs> he said, "We're sitting in the it's back." So <laughs> yeah, he said, "We're sitting in the back of a pickup truck, and there's two guys from Mexico driving." And I said, "Dan, we got to turn around because where we're headed, we don't want to go there." And the guy's driving said, no, no, it's fine. We'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. And <laughs> he said, Dan, you better tell these guys to turn around because they'll listen to you. And <laughs> he just, it was amazing, These the stories he was telling me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dan was, he was one of a kind, totally. Yeah. And, and very spontaneous. And, you know, he, he just, well, it's funny. Because one time he was just looking at me, thinking about me after we'd been married probably decades by then. And he just makes this observation. He goes, life just happens to you. I mean, you're just going, it just happens to you, you know, because I'm passive. He goes, I make life happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he was that type. He was the type who made things happen. Right. And so we were, we were a good pair. Opposites attract. He was a leader. I was a follower. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It it was just not that long ago. I was listening to uh, one of the episodes of Francis and friends that you and Dan were on. And he was telling the story of him being in line at Burger King. And there was a Catholic priest Mm. there. And he said, you know, that morning I was praying and God, God send me somebody that I could witness to. And he got in line and said, Lord, is this, is this the one? He said, I'm going to go wait over here for my food. And if that guy comes stand next to me, I'm going to say something. And he did. And he said, the whole thing turned into like 50 people in a semicircle surrounding the two of them in the <laughs> middle of a Burger King. He's telling the guy this and the, the, the Catholic priest tells him he should go to hell. Like, uh, what a yeah. story. He told them to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. He said, go to hell. Yep. He was a, a pre-Vatican. Yeah, pre-Vatican too, you know, he, he said. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, Dan asked him, so what's this outfit you're wearing? Yeah, right. <laughs> what's that outfit? Because he had wearing? different clothes than the other guy. <clears throat> yeah. He said, don't they usually wear that white thing around their collar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it turned out <clears throat> the guy had been raised in a Baptist church. 
And you know, it doesn't that doesn't guarantee you're ever saved. There's right. lots of people go to church that aren't saved. Right. There's lots of people who think they're saved that aren't. Yeah. Because they prayed a sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. But if you pray a sinner's prayer and nothing changes and nothing happens, you're not saved like we were talking about. Yep. There has to be that change when you're immersed into Christ. You come out as a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. So if you ever prayed a sinner's prayer and your life stayed the same, <laughs> try again. Because right. you're not saved. And, and but with the mouth, confession is made. But with the heart, heart we believe unto salvation. So and, it's a heart thing. Amen. And, and you will know, trust me, you will know when, where, how, and what exactly you were doing the moment you were born again. You'll know. You know, it's yeah. it's a, it's a, your, your heart changes and it's supernatural. It, yes. Yes. Because God comes in and we're born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and then our sins are gone and we're still here, but now we got the helper. Amen. Amen. Well, all right. Well, so, how about this time we'll have you open us up with a word of prayer, and then we could jump. Uh, you could take it into Dan's testimony and however you want to lay that out, if you want to go that way. Okay. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you give us so many things to yes, talk Lord. about because you want to be involved in our life. You want to be all in all, not just thank a part you. of it. You don't want to be an outsider. You want to be our life. And Lord, when we just give our lives to you, you do things. And Lord, you glorify yourself. You 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 are doing what's right. Yes. The way of the Lord is right. And the righteous walk in them and are glad. And Lord, I'm glad. I'm glad I walked in them and I'm walking in them. And I'm glad Dan did. And he's enjoying all his benefits mm. right now, Lord God. And I thank you for everything you did and yes. all the, your involvement in the affairs of people that you could have just sent us all to hell, but you didn't. You loved us thank and you, had Jesus. a plan before from the foundation of the world yeah. to send your son to redeem us, die for us, give us eternal life and give us a way to be adopted into your family and, and go to heaven, Lord. And as we're talking about this today, I'm just asking you to superintend every single thing, take over, yes, fill our Lord. mouths, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see what you want to show us, give us a heart to believe, to trust, to receive, to, to just know you, Lord God, and just pour out your latch of rain outpouring of your Holy Spirit, even now upon everybody listening, mm -hmm. and just be magnified, be glorified, and have your way, Holy God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think uh, we left off. There was uh, a six-year gap between you and Dan. So if you, right. if you right. want to take it and, and let me, however let you me, want. I'll just start this. Dan, he was not religious. When he was raised, They went. he was Catholic, he, but he's older than I. And when he went, the Mass was in Latin. Wow. So he's going to mass in Latin. He didn't understand a word they said. Ever, <laughs> oh, man. You know? Wow. And then when he was seven years old, his parents already had five children in seven years. And, you know, they wanted to use birth control. And the Catholic Church said you couldn't. So they quit going. So, so he, that was it. So he really didn't have religious or spiritual or really training. You know, I, I, I think it was basically a, 
just a, a non-God acknowledging family, you know? Right. Now, when I met him and, you know, we were dating and stuff, I wasn't saved either, but, you know, I wanted somebody who believed in God and believed in Jesus. And I asked me, he goes, oh, yeah, I believe in him. Yeah, yeah. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I mean, they did celebrate Christmas and Easter. So, you right. know, Jesus' birthday and resurrection. And so, anyway. We call there them we Christian CEOs. They go to church on Christmas and Easter only. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I've heard CEP, Christmas, Easter, Palm Sunday. Yeah, yep. Right, and that was about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. He would go on Christmas and Easter. And so I remember, okay, so I get saved. He doesn't want to hear anything about it. We we had a good time before as unbelievers. <laughs> we loved each other. We fell in love quick within a few days. We actually, we did. We fell in love with each other. And so enjoyed you know we met at a bar <laughs> a disco we both hated disco but it, the other bars weren't open yet so that's where we both were the <laughs> first day of college so and met there so as i said last time i me because dan didn't go to church i started going less and less until Till after my daughter was born that I started looking for God and going back. But Dan wasn't interested. He would go Christmas and Easter. And so I get saved. I start sharing the gospel with him. He totally did not want to hear it. He shut the, you know, blankety blank up. And, you know, I, I remember even trying to say grace before a meal. And he'd get up and leave the table. I don't have to put up with this blank and he'd walk off. but at that time he'd gotten into drugs and stuff and that opens you up to the spirit world and and let me say this okay when i was a little kid my mom and dad both smoked and i don't even know if lighters were invented back then but they used matches and so they'd pull that match off they'd put their finger on it they'd put it on the striker and all this bright colored you know shiny flame would come out and so when they weren't looking, I got that book of matches. And I don't want to be caught. So I go in the closet under the clothes. I'm a little kid. And so I take my, I pull off the match, put my finger on it, and I strike that thing. Well, I didn't know I had to move my finger oh, away. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so I burned this black hole in my finger. Oh. And then I threw the, the, the lit match over, but thankfully it went out <laughs> instead of burning <laughs> up all the clothes in the closet yeah. and burning the house down. Well, now here's the problem. I'm a little kid. I got a black burned hole in my finger, my index finger, where you have the more nerves in your index finger than anywhere else in your body. So it hurts the most. And I can't tell anybody and I can't even cry because if I do, I'm going to get in trouble for yeah. playing with matches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And so I'm just in this bind. Well, that's what happens when you play around with drugs. Dan loved pleasure. And so, you know, before I met him, he was in the military and he was stationed in Alaska for a couple of years and, and marijuana was legal up there. So he smoked pot and I know he did some other stuff, but he really he didn't do a lot when we were first married. But he was working in a bad neighborhood and he wanted to experiment just like I did with those matches. You know, it looked fun 
It was bright and shiny and colorful and, and almost magical. Wow, a fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Yep. You play with drugs and you're going to pay. And that's what happens. Sin will take you longer. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you can afford to pay. And it will take you farther than you want to go. That's what it does. A downward spiral. And so he started smoking. He started doing cocaine. And then later that turned into crack. I didn't know all this in the beginning. Later, I did find out. <clears throat> we were going through some rough years then. The Lord showed me how to how to stay married to him, how to love him, forgive him, look to the Lord, not worry about tomorrow, trust in, in him and get enough grace for each day. And if I, if I couldn't make it through the day, it was through the hour or 10 minutes or a minute, whatever I had to do to make it through. And God got me through those years. And I told the testimony of how our house, because of, you know, when all your money's spent on drugs, you're not paying your mortgage. And our house went into foreclosure. It was a duplex. And our tenants were barely, they weren't paying their rent either. They were, like I said, sometimes they'd pay $20 out of $550 was their rent back then. And so that house went into foreclosure, but somebody was interested in buying it. There wasn't enough equity for all the closing costs, lawyer's fees, et cetera, the back interest and we tried to work out every kind of deal tried to borrow money nothing was working i was praying i'm a new believer i'm just crying out to the lord day and night don't let us lose the house let the sale go through let the sale go through and it didn't and, and one day i just said father i'm just giving you this house this is your house if we sell it we sell it if the bank takes it back and we foreclose then so be it it's your house and a weight lifted off me. And so I'll just fast forward a little. All right, let me say this. God knows what we have need of before we ask. Dan didn't want to do these drugs. He tried quitting, he couldn't. And so anyway, you know, you do drugs and you're gone for days. You're missing work. No matter how good of a worker you are, you're going to get fired. And he was a grown man when he was doing this. He, he'd already been in the military. He's already college educated. He already had a wife, kids, home. You know, he had it going on as far as, you know, maturity and stuff. One of the things with young people, if you start doing drugs at 13, you're not going to mature under the influence of drugs or you become an alcoholic and a drunkard. You can't mature under the influence. So even though you're 30 years old and you've been doing it for 17 years, you're still at the maturity level of a 13 year old. Right. Because you haven't matured. You haven't had the ability because you're under the influence of substances. So that's one of the things with people. Now he, he had already had, a lot of experience, a lot of savvy. He could pull things off. He could hide things. And then that worked for a while. But eventually he did lose jobs. But he was good. And he could sell himself and get another one. <laughs> and he could do good. And he, he, he was good when he was working. And he got things done. And he had that leader personality. And he could, you know, be the boss and get things done. So 
but you can't always, you know, you, you can't hide it forever. <laughs> right. And so, you know, he had lost another job, lost, we lost my one car at that time, ended up getting me a, an old beater Volvo, you know, old, old model. And now he goes to this town where we are now. He had gone to visit his dad and his dad knew somebody who was looking for somebody to work in the construction industry. Dan was in construction. And so he says, well, let me set you up with an interview. And the guy happened to be in town at the time. So he interviewed him and Dan calls me up and he says, well, I have good news and bad news. Good news is they offered me the job. Bad news is it's 28 degrees below zero. No. <laughs> Uh, we're a couple hours north of Syracuse. It's, it gets cold up here. Yeah. So I said, hey, let me call my brother Virginia. We'll get the one ads, you know, we'll get a job down there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to him. And anyway, I hang up the phone. I start crying. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I hate winter. But I ended up saying, but if you want me to move there, I'll move there. You know, not my will, but thine be done. Right. And. The Lord let me know he did want us to move here. And so we did. He gave me a piece when we came up here to look at the area. Dan had already started working here. He goes, you know, if you don't like it, if you don't want to do it, I'll go get a job somewhere else. And But God let me know just a settled peace in my heart that this is where we're supposed to be. Now, Dan's not saved yet. So I just know we're supposed to be here. And the really good thing is, it's a small town, 4,000 people. Everybody knows everybody's business. I mean, I move up here. I meet somebody who's a homeschooler. I was. Dan comes home from work and says, hey, what were you doing on Halesboro Street today? I said, what? Yeah, two different people told me they saw my wife's car on Halesboro Street today. What were you doing there all afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, where am I? I don't even know anybody. I met some homeschooling lady and she invited me over and I visited with her. And, and people are reporting to my husband. Uh. <laughs> uh, but the good thing is <clears throat> you can't get away with stuff. And so there were no drugs up here. And if you did something, somebody, everybody would know. So that. And Dan's desire to get off and my prayers, et cetera, he got off the drugs and he just switched to heavy duty drinking, you know, and his, the, his one boss, he was a drinker and they just, they just went out drinking all the time. <clears throat> Within one year, he was brought into partnership with him and, and, you know, it was just, it was just what they did. Okay. So we've been here like three years. We've been renting a house and Dan's still not saved. And it's on his heart to get a house. He doesn't want to just rent, but our credit is garbage. I mean, we had bills that were over 120 days late. We had a loan he had taken out and hadn't paid. They put a lien on the house, you know, and, and we ended up having to pay that back and, and the foreclosure and all these things, which I will say we did spend 12 years paying that off as the VA covered it. So we never stiffed anybody just for the record and for the right thing to do. 
Dan did have a sense of morality. And so anyway, so we, we had these different things where we found this piece of land and we talked to our neighbor. It belonged to him. We agreed on a price, shook hands on it. And Dan would take me up there. He'd show me, you know, like, okay, look, here's the plan for the house. He drew out a plan. He was going to build a house. Stand here. Here's your kitchen window. Pretend you're doing your dishes. And then he'd take me by the shoulders, turn me. Okay, now here's the hall. Here's the bedroom. And he'd walk me around the imaginary house that he was <laughs> going to build someday. And in the meantime, I'm praying, Lord, if this is what you want, let it happen. If it's not, don't let it happen. And so one day the man just came to Dan and said, you know, I, I, I'm so sorry. I know we shook hands. I know we had an agreement and we had a deal and I was going to sell you this land and I can't even explain it, but I just changed my mind and I don't want to sell it. Wow. And so he was upset, but I just, I just figured, okay, God's got something else. Mm-hmm. And then other things, doors were closing, you know, something would, we'd go to try to get and we couldn't and something else and then dan was down at the bar oh so he put wait he put we find this house and he puts an offer in the guy counter offers we counter offer back and now we're waiting to hear back from him you know we're trying to negotiate price so dan goes to the bar that night meets a buddy and they're talking. He tells them, yeah, I put an offer in on Joe Sorrell's house. And then he countered and we countered back. And I'm waiting to hear. And he goes, oh, so you're thinking about buying a house? He says, I might sell mine. <laughs> so so he, he says, why don't you come look at it? So we come look at it. We fall in love with it. And long story short. God lets us get a house that wasn't even for sale. And when the bankers couldn't give us the loan because our credit was so bad, there was this little savings and loan, a one branch savings and loan from our town. And all the guys who ran it golfed with Dan, knew <laughs> him as a businessman. He'd already been made a partner in the business. He was doing well. And he had explanations of why things went bad. And so you know, they could understand, hey, you know, everybody has hard times and stuff. He's he's doing well. And, and so they gave us the loan for the house. But I was here, and it was a couple weeks after I was here, and I'm looking out the back window, and it's the most beautiful place in the whole wide world. I sent Kirk a couple pictures of it. The backyard, you're on a river. You can't see another house from here. There's just hills and forest, and it's just gorgeous. And big old windows. And, you know, this morning there were deer out there and wildlife all the time. And I just said to God, I said, Lord, I can't believe I live here in the prettiest place in the whole wide world. And I thank you so much, Lord, for this house. And, Lord, I'm giving you this house. I'm sorry I didn't give it to you sooner, but I couldn't even believe we lived here. So I'm giving this house to you, Lord. And the Lord just spoke to my my heart. And he said, I couldn't have given you this house if you hadn't given me the other house in Rhode Island. And the house I gave him in Rhode Island was an old mill house, over 100 years old. Little tiny windows, a brick house with, you know, like burgundy linoleum and paneling and it was dark and dingy and there were 22 other duplexes around on a 
the train tracks in the back with trains going by and 55 mile an hour road, just inner city. And he had to lock yourself in there because of, you know, the neighborhood and stuff. And, and so what he gave me was so much beyond what I gave him. But sometimes we just hold so tightly to something and we won't give it to God. And if you've got your fist clenched around something and you're holding tight to something, you can't receive anything. Mm. But if you open your hand up and you let go of that and you give it to God, then he can give you something back. And he gave me the prettiest place I've ever seen in the whole wide world. And I'm still here, thank the Lord, to this day, loving it. And that was one of the things he did. And that was just by trusting him. And, and I want to share one other testimony. When we were getting ready to move here, we didn't have money to move. We didn't have money for our first month rent, our last month's rent, our moving van, stuff like that. Dan was a drug addict. His money went to drugs. You know, we owed everybody. I mean, it was just a mess. But one day, our neighbor, Kitty Corner, across the street, hired some company to paint his stockade fence. And that company had like some aerosol sprayer thing and they painted the fence. Well, next thing you know, I look at my car and these little tiny white speckled paint specks all over my car. And about, I think there were four cars that all got painted because the wind came across this, blew it across the street and speckled up the cars. Mm. So I turned in an insurance claim for that and I remember we're getting ready to move. We're getting close. And I called the insurance company, asked them about it. And they had no record that I ever gave it to them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how am I going to get another one done? I got to you know, pack and leave and do all this. And within like a couple of days, they called me. They had found it. And the check was ready. Wow. And so they processed the claim and they gave us a check which was supposed to be to repaint our car. But instead of repainting the car, we just kept the paint speckled car. Right. And we took that money and that paid for the moving van and our first month's rent and our security deposit. And that was Jehovah Jireh, Amen. the Lord, our provider. We don't know how he's going to provide, but that was how he did it. And he gave what we needed for that. And if that check had come like weeks earlier, Dan would have gotten it and blown it right. <laughs> on drugs. Wow. We would not have had it. So God held it up. They didn't even know they had the claim there. He hid it probably in a pile of papers or something. I don't know what he did, but he did it. And he brought it right at the right time and then gave us that so that we had the money to go and get established here. And and, and that was his faithfulness to just take care of me. And I know the Bible says the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the believing one. Right. And, and that's not the part of sanctification. It's not the one about being made holy. There's another meaning to sanctification. That means set apart. And so, you know, there's they're set apart for God to do stuff in their life. And so anyway, there were times, you know, Dan always had, stories and lies about what was going on because when you do drugs or you're a gambler or you're a hardcore alcoholic you lie you know just like i was trying to cover up me playing with the matches you know i wasn't yeah. going to tell anybody because i don't want to get in trouble 
So <clears throat> I remember one morning he's telling me, you know, how he doesn't have money and how he got robbed and I'm not believing him. And all of a sudden he rolls over and he's got this big black eye and, you know, he's got these other marks on his body. And then he shows me his pants that are ripped to shreds because they tried to rip them off him, trying to, you know, empty his pockets and stuff. And they had pulled a knife on him and they never stabbed him. And I believe that it was because of my prayers that he did not get killed. There were other times people pulled guns on him, but he didn't get shot. You know, the, the prayers are so important and God knew. And also nobody can take you out before your time. But anyway, we moved into this house and <clears throat> I'm praying for Dan. The people at my new church here, they're all praying for him. The, my kids are praying for him. And we used to go to little homeschool groups. And every time there were prayer requests, one of my girls would raise her hand and say, pray for my daddy to get saved. And they were always praying for him. So anywhere we went, we just had people praying. And once in a blue moon, Dan would go to church, like you're saying, Christmas, Easter, and there was a church picnic that he would go go that day. You know? <laughs> so, so he he told me one time after he went with Easter, he goes, hey, tell him I only went because it's Easter. Don't expect to see me again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I don't know what he what he ever heard of the gospel. You know, it was there, but he said he never heard it. And, you know, the Bible talks about when the sower plants a seed, which is the word of God, and he throws the seed, but the birds eat it up. Yep. And it says that's when the word of God is sown on hard ground and the devil comes and he steals the word. It never takes any root. Yep. And Dan's heart was hard at that time. He wasn't hearing it. He said, nobody told me, but I could I could point to things where people told him or showed him, but he never heard it. It just got stolen from him. Well, I invited a family one day over for dinner. And so after dinner, I went with the wife to go do the dishes in the kitchen. The kids went off to play and the husband was talking to Dan and he was telling him, you think you got it made, don't you? You think you're something. You know, you got this beautiful house, you got your wife, your kids, you got your nice car, you got your business, and you think you got it made. But you know what? You're going to hell. Wow. You're on your way to hell, buddy. <laughs> way to be blunt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that night, Dan told me, don't ever invite them over here again. The nerve of that guy in my house <laughs> telling me I'm going to hell. What are you doing? I don't ever want them in my house again. Well, Dan also said that night he was thinking about it. And he's thinking, a stupid jerk, and the nerve of him in my house. But you know what, God? He's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, with all the stuff I've done, I, you know, I, I really, I deserve to go to hell and I shouldn't go to heaven. And so he thought about that that night. The next morning, Sunday morning, the, I go with the kids, we go to church, and Dan's on his way to the golf course. And I could look out this window here, you would see right where it was, right up the hill. Oh, God, Lord had been dealing with him. And he just cried out to the Lord and said, okay, he's right. I don't deserve to go to heaven. 
and I want you. And he just cried out to God. And the Lord said, okay, but no alcohol. And then he went off to the golf course, a individual. And it's funny because he came back that afternoon and we were sitting in the kitchen and he called us together and he said, I got to tell you something. He said, I asked the Lord in my heart today and I got saved and my girls leap up and start hugging him and stuff. And I'm just sitting there with this skeptical look on my face like, eh, we'll see. You know, I've, I've heard things like this before because he told me before, yeah, yeah, I asked God to forgive me. Yeah, I did that or whatever. But he wasn't saved. And, and there's, there's people who have asked God, they've asked God to forgive them. I did lots of times before I was saved. That's not it. Right. By grace, we're saved through faith. Mm -hmm. We have to believe. We have to put our faith, our trust, our belief, our confidence, our reliance on the sacrifice of God's son where he paid for our sins. And then we have to receive that gift. So we have to believe and receive. So I'm just looking at him like, eh, we'll see. But within a couple days, I started seeing changes in him. And I was shocked. Like he was different. That new creation was yeah. showing up. He he was already changed. And I remember this was Sunday that he got saved. Tuesday, I took my kids to piano lessons with the, the worship leader from their church. And I told her, I said, I think Dan got saved. He's acting different. <laughs> <laughs> and by Wednesday, he came home. He goes, you know what? I haven't sworn in three days. Wow. I just realized it. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. How yeah. do you not swear in construction? You know, yep. you can't even finish a sentence without a swear word. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord cleaned his mouth up. He Amen. didn't clean it up. The Lord changed him. The Lord, you know, made a new creation out of him. And so I was rejoicing. He started going to church. He started, you know, growing in the Lord and, and, and doing stuff. And then I'm not sure how long it was. Maybe, mm, I'd say a couple months. He got missing his buddies. He is a social, he was a social butterfly. He never met a stranger anywhere in the world. He just went all over the world and made friends all over the world. You know, he just loved people. And, you know, that was just his personality. And so he was missing people. And so he went back to the bar because he wants to see his buddies and he's just drinking his soda and he's telling them about Jesus. But the Bible says, make no provision for the flesh to right. obey it in the lust thereof. And you can't just be in that environment because there's lead us not into temptation and the temptation was there. And so he decided he was just going to have one glass of wine. And that's all it took. And that just put him right back into his drinking. And then he'd fight it and fight it. And as he would say, I'd go out and get drunk on Monday. And I'd repent on Tuesday. And I'd be back in church on Wednesday. And I'd get drunk on Friday and repent on Saturday, back in church on Sunday. And it continued that way for a while. At a certain point, the elders of the church, they, they, taught, they knew about it because one of the church members 
was a waitress in the restaurant that adjoined the bar where he would be drinking. And she's a new believer and she'd be coming to the pastor like, wait a minute, he's there in church on Sunday and he's, what's he doing? You know, drinking at the bar. What's he doing? You know, doing all this other stuff. And, and she was confused. And so they came and talked to him and, you know, he tried, he tried to quit. He didn't have the power to overcome the desire for the alcohol. It mm -hmm. was stronger than he was. And so I'm devastated because I've been, you know, I prayed for six years for him to get saved. Then he gets saved and now he's back. And I was like, ah. And so I'm just crying out for his soul. And then I was off visiting, I was out somewhere and the elders came and they talked to him and they told him, listen, you can't have it both ways. You can't be in the world and, you know, a Christian, you have to, you have to make a decision. You got to serve Christ or the world. You can't do it. You can't continue in this. And if you do continue and they showed him a scripture and they said, we're going to have to ask you to leave the church. And so Dan, you know, I mean, he just, he had his pride and it's like, well, I'm not going to let them kick me out. I'm just not going back. So he quit going. And they hadn't asked him to leave yet. They just told him, you know, you need to do this. So now he's not even going to church. I'm just, you know, devastated. And I'm crying out to God for him. Lord, <laughs> help. Bring him back. Help. Say, you know, just, I don't even know where his heart is at this point. He's practicing sin. He's, he's not pursuing the things of the Lord. And I remember there was a situation he got saved in may so now this is december so that's you know seven months later and he'd been drinking a few months at this time and all of a sudden it like turned our world upside down things it, things were not good and and i'm praying and i'm just crying out lord what is going on and the lord showed me a vision and i saw myself standing by my back windows crying out to god and saying, Lord, don't worry about me. Whatever it takes, bring Dan back. And I heard myself praying. I saw myself praying. And I knew God was telling me this is an answer to that prayer. So I was like, okay, all right. And that gave me peace because I knew God was in it. And so the Lord put Dan at a crossroads where he had to make a decision which way he was going to go. And at that time... He cried out to God and he just said, I can't do this. Help me. I can't do this. And then the Lord took the desire for alcohol away from him. Praise God. And for the next 27 years, he never even wanted it. Wow. God just took it away because now it wasn't in the power of Dan quitting drinking. Now it was in the power of the shed blood of the lamb, delivering him, breaking that bondage, breaking that addiction. Amen. And he was set free from it. And, and in that same vein, I saw, okay, so now it's that following January. And so that's what eight months after Dan got saved. And so he had asked the Lord to help him quit smoking. 
And one day he's like, what am I smoking for? I don't even want these. I don't even like them. And he put them down and never picked them up again. Well, in all the years we'd been married, I saw him wrestle with nicotine. And he'd quit for six months and go back to him. He'd quit for a year, go back. But now he didn't go back. He didn't even want him. He didn't even struggle. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went off for me. And I'm like, Lord, I quit smoking before I knew you in my own power, in my own strengths. And every once in a while, I still get a fleeting craving. And so right now, I'm receiving your deliverance that you paid for 2,000 years ago on Calvary. And that was 30 years ago. I never once in those 30 years have ever craved a cigarette since then. But when I had quit my own power, I still would get fleeting cravings under certain circumstances. But once it was the power of the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of the lamb, it was gone. It was gone. I was set free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I was free from that. And another one along those lines. This is actually, I know I jump around a little. I'm jumping ahead in, along these same lines. So now it's 12 years into Dan's salvation. He's at a low point of his life. He's got so many problems in business. He's just, he's, he's a mess. And I knew spiritually he was a mess. I could feel there was oppression in his life. And so I'm crying out to God for him. I'm praying and fasting, seeking God for, you know, help for him. <clears throat> and it was during that time and he's down in the city and he's got money in his pocket. He's at a red light. And some guy goes bebopping across his path. And all of a sudden, it just stirs the old Dan. And he thinks, I ought to just get high. That guy's either got drugs or he can get me some. All I got to do is push this button, let the window go down, and I got money in my pocket. I can forget all my problems. And he's got this battle going on in his soul. And he wants to just forget it. And the temptation is there. But he had been taught that our power is in that sacrifice, in the blood of Jesus, in the finished work of the cross. And that came to his mind. And he looked up to the roof and just said, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, you died for this. Help me. Deliver me. And that oppressive spirit that had been tormenting him for months just left. Wow. He said, I didn't just not go get high. He says, I drove through that red light, you know, when it turned green, and I put my stereo on. I started praising God. I started worshiping God and just went back to business and life, and, and everything was turned around, and everything was gone. And there's times when the enemy can just put our eyes on our problem instead of on our answer right which is christ and then we can magnify our problem and when we magnify our problem we minimize or shrink our god that's not true god is bigger than any problem we ever have our problem is no problem for god the only problem god has is unbelief that's the only thing that limits him so when we magnify the Lord, 
we minimize our problem, we shrink our problem. We don't shrink it enough <laughs> because like I said, our problem's no problem for God. And so we got to keep our eyes on him. When Peter, who was a fisherman, who had been in a, many storms in his life, saw the storm that was all around them, a big tempestuous torment, mega storm. But he saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And Peter started walking on that water. And then all of a sudden he reconsidered the storm. His eyes went back on the storm and he began to sink yep. because he took his eyes off the Lord. And then he said, Lord, save me. And the Lord picked him up and they walked back to the boat. And he said, oh, ye of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And in the Greek, that's why did you reconsider? Yep. You know? Because he was already walking on the water. We can already be setting out. We can already be doing what we're supposed to be doing with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, we don't cast down those imaginations. And we don't bring those thoughts. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In the obedience of Christ, he was obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So when we have thoughts and imaginations that are contrary to faith and God and things that bring us fear or doubt or whatever, we have to bring them to the Lord, bring them to that finished work, put our mind on him. We have to look unto Jesus, that author and finisher of faith for the joy set before him despising the shame endured that cross and is now seated at the right hand of the father amen ever living to make intercession for us and we can come before that throne of grace and get help and mercy in time of need but we have to behold the lamb like john the baptist said right. behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and, and that behold it's like it's like a horse with blinders you're not looking anywhere else you're only looking unto him you're only looking at him and we have to have blinders on. We have to have our gaze fixed. Like that one song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so as we're beholding him and looking to him, we get the power to do what we need to do. And God did all kinds of all kinds of awesome miracle things. Even Dan was in a partnership with an unbeliever. And Dan, he learned about that, the unequal yoke. The Lord yeah. says, you know, that we're to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people don't know that verse. And some know it, like, for, you know, like, marrying somebody. But then they think it's okay for dating or whatever. But it's any connection. A yoke is a connector. So it's like to be your good friend or to be a business partner or to date somebody or marry somebody. He says, be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Mm -hmm. What communion darkness? What concord has Christ with the devil? What part has he that believes with an unbeliever? 
And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so Dan prayed a couple different times, Lord, am I unequally yoked? And the Lord told him no, because this guy let Dan run the construction company. He had several gravel pits. He had other businesses. He was busy running all of those. So Dan was running this one by himself. But then... It was interesting. The Lord called me to this extended fast. I didn't know why or what. So I just went on this long fast and just praying and seeking the Lord. And I didn't even know what it was for. But it was the like the day after I broke the fast. All of a sudden, things changed in the partnership. And he wanted to be more involved in stuff. He wanted to make changes and things. And Dan said, I'm unequally yoked. And so that was when God put it on his heart to end that partnership. And then he, oh, there were, even the timing. You know, we were talking about God's timing. So he's praying about when to do this. And because he knew stuff, he's like, it's either got to be January or July. Well, in hindsight, if he had quit in January, there really wouldn't have been money to start the new business God called him into because it's seasonal work. It was site work and we're cold up here. The ground freezes and you can't do site work once it gets cold. So the winter you're doing other stuff. You're not earning money. <laughs> you're, you're using up the money you earned from the year before. So Dan put a fleece before the Lord <clears throat> like Dan put a fleece before the Lord and 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 ask the Lord if you want such and such let this happen and he did that a couple ways and God showed him what he wanted so Dan said if you want us to start the new company in July let us get these two bids that I'm bidding and I did not know he prayed that and I prayed basically the same thing you know Lord if we're supposed to do this in July then help him get this bid. I don't know if I included both. But anyway, he got the first bid. And he calls me up. He's all excited. And then he comes home from work. And he tells me about what happened. So, you know, your bidding projects, there are several hundred thousands of dollars, you know. And... He's exam he's looking over his bid sheets. You figure out how much it's going to cost you to build this project. Okay, I'm going to need this many yards of steel at this much a square foot or whatever it is, times this much, your markup, whatever. All right, these are the heavy equipment I'm going to need. This is how much labor I'm going to need. And you figure out what it's going to cost you to build this job. And then you give them your price and the low bidder gets it. So now he's looking over it and he's comparing so, okay, this is my steel, this is how many yards, this is, you know, how much it is per square foot or whatever. And then he looks 
and off in the right hand column there's not the amount for those two like he where did he multiply it and put that in to be added up so you have your quantity times your cost equals your total cost then it goes on the right hand column you add it all up and you know how much it's going to cost and he's like huh i must have put that in at the end so he goes to the last page and it's not there so now he gets nervous now he's like sweating now he's like what is going on and as he's checking things out he realizes he left a hundred and six thousand dollars off of that bid oh he never added in the price of the steel and he's like you know panicked out and like you know you can't you can't make up that kind of money like what and then all of a sudden he gets a revelation i prayed and i asked god that if i was supposed to leave the company in july that he, i would get this bid and if i put that price of steel in i would not have gotten the bid so god had me forget that price and god had me forget the steel price so he comes home and then he's telling me yeah and i forgot the steel price i left a hundred six thousand dollars off the bid <laughs> and like i'm like now i'm like getting panicked and then he's like praise god now, now i'm confused <laughs> and then he tells me well i prayed that if God didn't, if God wanted us to leave in July, that he would have me get the bed and God had me leave this off so, so we could get this job and I would know when to go. And so now I'm praising God <laughs> <laughs> because I know God's in it. And when you know God's in it, you walk by faith and not by sight. You right. don't look at what's happening. And so it's interesting. There was a second bid and he got that bid. Wow. Praise God. So those were the two he put before him. Well, now this guy from this bridge company calls him and says, can I give you a price on this bridge? And Dan was not one to shop his bid afterwards. When he got a price, he got a price. He went with that one. He never did this. So this was like the first and only time he ever did. But he said, yeah, you know, I already got a price. He goes, yeah, but can I just give you a price? He goes, okay, go ahead, give me a price. And so this was a bridge over water well generally they're over water not always but generally so there was a lot of environmental stuff and you had to get all this paint off the bridge and, and rebuild it and then repaint it and stuff but you couldn't let one dust particle of the paint go in the water because it might kill a tadpole or a or a huh. newt or something you know all these environmental laws yeah and so the cost for the containment and the you know to get to get it done without any contamination of the environment was very high now this guy an old guy comes in i think he was 70 well 78 you know old in the business and he gives dan a price and the price he gave dan to do the job was one hundred and six thousand dollars less than the the price he had. Huh. Do you recognize that number? Come on. One hundred six thousand. That's exactly what he left off on the other bid. Wow. And that guy did it, and God gave him that hundred six thousand back on the other job. How about it? Praise God. Yes, it was amazing, and and the Lord just did that. Dan got to witness the guy. We don't know if he got saved or not, but. 
he, he did die shortly thereafter, but Dan got to share the gospel with him. And, you know, it's just something how, how God does stuff. And, and we can't lean on our understanding. We got we to gotta trust him. Right. We got to know that he knows what he's doing, even though it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes, sometimes in the natural, it's like, wait, what do you mean? But sometimes it, it, it shows you later. Okay, here's one. Dan, okay, okay, I'll just say this. It was a time God wanted me to do something. And it was a little something. And it was out of my comfort zone. And I did not do it. Because I thought, well, if I do that, that's weird. She'll wonder what I'm doing. And she'll ask me. And I won't know what to say. And I won't know what to do. And I never did it. And it always bugged me. And I realized after the fact, God wanted me to do something and he would have shown me what to do next, but I never did it. So I never found out what he wanted to do. I never allowed him to do it. I never knew what was what I was supposed to do. But Dan was in that situation. He was rebuilding this bridge and this was in the Adirondacks, which are mountains. And it was between a couple mountains over a creek. And so it was an arch bridge. And then the mountains went down steep. Two mountains, picture them, coming at each other steep. And now you're trying to build a road to get you from this one mountain across over to the other mountain. Well, you can't just go down at this big steep angle and then back up. So they built an arch bridge over this creek. Then they filled it with a whole bunch of gravel. I don't know, 80, 100 feet of gravel, whatever it was, it was a lot. And then they made a road going across. So it was easier. You're not going down as far and back up. Well, now it's all these decades later, the arch is failing. How are you going to do this? You're not going to dig up, you know, when I say 100 yards, I mean height wise. I mean, if you did quantity, who knows how many it would be. Because that whole arch and that whole creek between the mountains is just covered with 100 feet. Okay, 100 feet, 100 yards, whatever it was. You know, it's just all backfilled with all the rock and the gravel. So you can't remove all that. It would take forever. It'd be too costly and rebuild the whole thing. So they're trying to figure out how are we going to do this? How are we going to fix this? And they come up with this new plan, never been done. We're going to make new concrete arches. We're going to put them under the arch bridge. We'll put them section by section, put them together, join them together, put a new bridge underneath, all made of precast concrete, put them under this, and then there'll be a little void, a little space in between the two arches, and then we're going to fill that in with this pressurized grout stuff. Okay, good idea. Nobody's ever done this. And we're going to make a little ledge of a trench to slide these things in so they have a little abutment a little thing to sit on wonderful so they do all the preliminary work now comes a day and the arches are going to go in and there's these giant cranes because you got to drop it down these hundred yards you got to take this i don't remember dan knows all the numbers but you know several ton concrete arch and you got to put it down there for the machines to get it, put it on the little trench, the little abutments, this little 
um, tray that's going to catch it and, and it's going to slide on it and put all of these in 120 feet and you got to put them all in and put them together. So you've got a bunch of cranes all lined up. They've all got their concrete arches and here's Dan and they've got the arch. Several hours later, the first arch had only gone a few feet. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it wasn't working. It wasn't going. They got this bulletproof glass that was very slick. They put it on. They put some lubricant on. They think they can slide it, but it kept getting stuck. It kept, you know, you just move it a fraction of an inch and it get jammed in there. And it, it, it just wasn't going. Everything they're trying, nothing's working. When the guy's got, you know, like frustrated, he grabs a crowbar and this thing is several tons. And Dan's like, put the crowbar down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But they didn't know what to do. And so you're paying tons of money for yeah. all these cranes that are all lined up. And in the meantime, the mayor is there. The news is there. Reporters are there because this is a big deal. Oh, man. <laughs> and nothing is happening. And so everything they're trying is not working. They've run out of ideas. And so at that point, Dan's at the bottom of the creek and he just walks off into the woods and there's a piece of plywood there. And he just knelt down and he said, Lord, this is your company. Lord, you know what's going on. It's not working. This is costing us. I forget how many mega thousands of dollars an hour, you know, for all this, all these heavy equipment, all these operators, all these, I mean, I don't know, tens of thousands an hour or more. And he's like, Lord, I need help. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden he heard the Lord say, take the piece out. And Dan's like, Lord, I'm trying to put the piece in. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't you hear me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the Lord said, take the piece out. Well, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to lose the four feet. You moved it. So, <laughs> so he went to the guy. He said, Sid, take that piece out. And he went back up the hill to the job trailer and he's sitting there and one of the guys comes up, he goes, what now boss? He says, well, we got to get that piece out. He goes, it's out. He goes, it's out that quick. He goes, yeah, came right out. And so Dan runs down there, talks to the guy, finds out what happens. And he said, yeah, I just, they had put these little turnbuckles on both sides, just in case they had to hook cables to it. And so he hooked the cables on the other side he said, I just lifted it just a tiny bit with the excavator, pulled it, came right out. So he said, can you get under that bridge? Can you hook it on the other side? Can your boom for the excavator get there, hook on there, lift it up a little and drag it in? And so he looks and he considers. He goes, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Well, that's what they did. And they got that piece in all the wow. way, the 120 feet, pulled it in. Then the next one, next one, next one. Moral of the story, God only gave him step one. Yeah. Step one made no sense. If he didn't listen to God, if he didn't do step one, he would have never found out step two. Right. He wouldn't have known what to do. But once he did step one, step two became obvious. And he knew what to do. And he got it in there. For me, with me, I never did step one. I never found out what step two was going to be. I just, I just messed up. So what I do, I just said, God help me next time not to miss you 
because I don't know what you wanted to do, but I didn't let you do it because it didn't make any sense and I didn't understand. But I learned from his that sometimes God's going to tell us something that we aren't going to understand, but he's got a reason for it and he's doing something and we have to trust him. And trust is for when we don't understand, because if we understand, we don't need trust. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, not your head, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will, he shall direct your path. So we have to know he's going to do that and he's going to direct our path. There was another one, the first year of doing business. And okay, so Dan does his bid. It has to go to Albany and it's going to be read there. So he has to get it done the day before, overnight it there. He gets it all done, gets all his quotes, does the bid and he sends it down there. Okay, good. Next morning, he goes into the office. He, you know, gets some, he wants some kind of fax. He goes to the fax machine. It's not working. There's a paper jam in there. He unjams it, and then all these papers start coming out. Well, he only did one, but when all these papers came out, he looks at them, and there's a bid in there for yesterday's project that he sent in the one he sent the bid in there's a bid from one of these subcontractors all the subcontractors give you their numbers you put them all together you're the general contractor you put them all together for the price of the whole project and that's what you're bidding on so one of the prices come in and it's fifty thousand dollars less for these gates for this dam that he's going to put in and he's like man everyone else is going to have this they're going to get the job. I'm 50,000 high with this. Now, Dan, the man with the plan, he used to tell me, I don't know how many times, take the T off can't. Well, if you take the T off can't, you have can. So he didn't take no for an answer. And he didn't. So he gets his bright idea and he calls somebody at this state capitol building in Albany, somebody he knows. He goes, hey, I need help. My bid's down in the mailroom, and I need to change one of my numbers. I need you to go down there, <laughs> get my bid, get some white out, change that number, and then change the bottom number. I'll tell you exactly what line. I'll tell you what to do. I got it in front of me. And just white out two of them and just change the, the bid amount. And he talks this guy into it. He doesn't want to do it. He does it. The guy changes the amount. Like, just shortly before you know the bid's got to be turned in and opened <laughs> they they get opened exactly at the time that they have to be in if you're 30 seconds late they won't take it so it's down to the wire he gets it done hallelujah dan gets the bid yay <laughs> no so rest of the story the project was a disaster the way it was designed, it could not be done. It was another one of these environmental ones that had all kinds of environmental parameters, all these things you couldn't do. And you had to dewater, you had to stop the flow of water in order to put in these gates and build a dam. The problem was under this water, 
was a giant bedrock with big fissures, big cracks in it. And these cracks were letting all kinds of water flow through. So you couldn't just go across and stop the water because there was all these big giant valleys in the rock bottom that was letting the water go through. And because it was in the Adirondack Park and there were all these environmental rules and regulations, you couldn't do what you had to do to get the job done. <clears throat> when Dan was telling people, they were telling him, you just have to do it per contract. That's all. So he keeps trying, trying, and you're just throwing all this money away and it cannot be done. And he goes and talks to him and tells them, he tells them what would work. He tells them what they need to do. They said, no, you can't because of the environmental regulations. you got to do it per contract and it can't happen. <clears throat> so they get to a point and they say, okay, you either do this or we're going to turn it over to the bonding company. At that point, the bonding company will take over. They will hire somebody else who can't do the job either, the way it's designed. They will use up all your money. You will go out of business. You will never be able to be in construction again because of this, because of, of what will happen. And it's going to put you out of business. And let me tell you something. This business was of God. He left Harmerburg Construction. You know, his name was in it. He was a partner in that. And started Acts 2 Construction, Building Bridges for Jesus. God told him to name it Acts 2 Construction. And then God confirmed it like five different times, like, you know, in a short period of time, that that's what it's supposed to be called. And this is interesting. Dan was doing up all the paperwork with the lawyer to start a new corporation. And so he's doing it. And I'm, I happen to be with him at the time. And he tells the guy to call it his construction company. I said, what are you doing, his construction company? That's not what God told you. God told you to call it Acts 2 Construction. You can't expect God to bless your business if you start it with an act of disobedience. He told you what to name it. He specifically told you, and he confirmed it. And Dan's like, I'm not going to call it that. It's too weird. No one will know what it is. And then he told me later, secretly, he's saying, and if people know it's a Bible, they're going to hold me to this high standard I don't want to meet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so I'm in the truck with him and he gets a call from the lawyer and the lawyer says, hey, Dan, all your paperwork's ready for the new corporation. There's just one thing. You'll have to come up with another name. That name's already already taken. <laughs> just take your time, you know, whatever. You know, we got some we got time. Just let me know when you come up with something else and I'll fill that in. He's like, Jim, I don't have to. I don't have to. I already know. <laughs> call it Acts 2 construction and he's like what act two and dan said see lord they already don't know <laughs> <laughs> but he told them Acts 2 construction building bridges for jesus and when when dan wouldn't listen to me now i'm the wife you know <laughs> yeah. he's the head of the house he's a spiritual head and but what, husbands are to dwell with their wives according to knowledge, you know? <laughs> yeah. But he's the head, so he got to make the decision. And when he wouldn't listen to me, I went talking to God. Right. I'm like, God, don't let him do this. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive him. <laughs> but 
We don't want to start the business with disobedience. We don't want to start in rebellion. We don't want it to go this way. Stop them, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. And so, so the Lord did, and it became Acts 2 construction. And then as he was letting people know that he left Harmer Burt, and now he's Dan Bird is you know doing business under Acts 2 construction. They're like, what? Act 2? What's that? He says, oh, it's Acts 2. It's actually in the Bible. Here, let me send it to you. And he had a copy of the chapter 2 of Acts, which contained the whole gospel in it, as Peter preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost. And then he faxed over all chapter 2 to everybody. So it was a way to get the gospel to people. He goes, yeah, it's really fascinating. Here, let me show you. (laughs) And he sent it to them. Awesome. So anyway, so this is our first year in business because I backed up here and the devil's trying to put us out of business with this project. It's not working. It ended up in Albany at the state Capitol, all these guys, these lawyers arguing our lawyer, their lawyer. And then at a certain point it got, so now it's just the lawyers and Dan isn't even allowed to be there. So lawyer for the state of New York, our lawyer, you know, and he calls up, he says, you know, I'm really sorry, Dan. It's like, they're not listening. Nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to happen. And there was this guy from New Jersey who did these portable dams. And he came to the meeting. And one of their arguments was, they said, you knew the conditions of the bottom of this water before. And this guy had bid on it. And he had pictures and he showed them. And he said, no, it was springtime. There was too much mud in the water. You could not see the bottom conditions. There was no way to know there were those giant fissures and valleys and cracks in that bedrock on the bottom for all the water to flow through. Nobody could know that and was not revealed in the plans or the specs, the specifications. And so anyway, he, he showed them a picture. Well, they weren't really listening. So now it's between the lawyers and he tells, he tells them, you got to make a decision. You got to finish this project as per plans and specs, or they're going to turn it over to the bonding company. Either way, it's death for Acts 2 construction. It's over. It's done. And we had this visiting preacher from Texas at that time with us. And we went to bed that night. And they're going to make a decision the next morning. And Dan, Dan says, you know what? I'm going to go tomorrow morning. I want to be on the job site. I want to pray. I want to be there. I want to seek God. Do you want to go with me? And I did. My kids did. That visiting preacher, we all wanted to. And we're supposed to leave at 5 a.m. because it's a couple hour drive. Well, Dan can't sleep. He gets up at 2.30. He's like, I'm going. (laughs) 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 so we wake everybody up throw some clothes on and we all just go and we got there like five o'clock in the morning or something and it was the strangest thing okay we're praying and praying and praying i remember walking on there and and i remember like Spirit of God just come and I'm like, Lord, this is your company. You called this into existence. You're the one who has to do this. This is your, you know, thing. And, and, and you got to do something. You didn't put us in business to go out of business, you know? And I'm just praising the Lord and, and crying out to him. And Dan's somewhere else and he's praying. And 
he said the lord just spoke to him and he told dan hold your ground and dan's like wait wait what ground i don't have any ground i got no ground to stand on what are you talking about hold your ground and the lord said it again hold your ground and then he opened up his understanding dan's contention was you did not disclose the conditions of the bottom of this body of water when you put out the plans nobody knew and you withheld this information and so dan calls the lawyer and he says alan listen i want you to go in there i want you to tell them that unless they oh i'm trying to think of the terminology unless they release us from that contract for the for the convenience of new york state i will sue new york state for withholding information at bid time and faulty design and he goes dan you were in the meeting yesterday you know they're not going to go for it he goes alan you tell them just like i said and you tell them and so we get a call later and he goes you know i don't know a funny thing it sounds like they might go for it <laughs> And so they come back later that afternoon. Oh, here's a funny thing too. We were on that dam project and it's D-A-M, you know, it's, it's a water obstruction. I'm not swearing. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were on that project. We were praying and we were praying. We got there at five and the Lord spoke to him at 10. We were praying for five hours, all of us. And when we talked about it, we all said the same thing. We looked at the clock. We could not believe it. It felt like 10 or 15 minutes. None of us believed the time. We were just lost in prayer. And we were just crying out to the Lord. We all said the same thing. It felt like 10 or 15 minutes. And I can't explain that. We That's just what it was. There were five of us out there praying. And so anyway, the, the state of New York came back. And they told him, all right, if you sign this and hold them harmless and indemnify and the state of New York will release you for the convenience of New York. What that does, now you don't have the strike against you. Mm. You you don't, if you have this thing against you, you can't bid work. Well, all his work was municipal bid work. Yeah. So it would have put them out of business. But when they release you for their convenience, it's not against you because they're the ones doing it. Right. And so that's what they did. And they released him from it. And strange thing, this manila envelope shows up. I think it was a week or two later. It's postmarked Albany. And in the envelope is that picture that the guy from the Porta Dam Company from New Jersey had brought, showing the bottom conditions of, of the body of water. Somebody had taken that picture and stolen it from him. And now it mysteriously returned to him. You know, there was no return address on it. It just was postmarked Albany. It came in an envelope with no explanation, no cover letter. It just came back at him. So, but somehow somebody had gotten that because that was evidence against them and now dan's all rejoicing i'm still rejoicing and crying i'm like lord lord the devil stole fifty thousand dollars of your money lord lord this is bad how do we get this back what do we do and 
you know, it almost put us out of business. <laughs> it was, it was very difficult. Wow. And, you know, you don't just recover from something like that, especially your first year in business. We started a construction company. We didn't have a hammer. We had nothing. The, the, the Lord told him, leave everything behind. He took his desk, his chair, an old dinosaur computer no one was using, and an old antique surveying instrument. That was it. Everything else. He left all the heavy equipment. He left the trucks. He left the building. He left the acreage. He left everything. He just took, like, you know, half the money for his stock holding and, and just, you know, walked away. That way he didn't cripple the other guy. It also was to his advantage, and he let Dan out. And that was another miracle. So that the whole thing was dissolved over and he was out not out from under in 18 days. Wow. Which was a miracle. And that was part of what the Lord showed me with the prayer and fasting. In Isaiah 58, it talks about God's chosen fast. And one of the things is it lets the oppressed go free. And it, it let him go free. It, it set him free from that and got him out of that. Anyway. Wow. Now, this is two years later that project is long forgotten we've moved on other jobs other things uh the next year was a good year we made money and everything it was good and now it's a couple years later the end of the year december our daughter's getting married we're in ohio we just had the wedding it was a beautiful wedding people got saved at it you know it was awesome and they're off married couple off on their honeymoon it was an afternoon wedding it's Saturday night, and they're having a prayer meeting at the church where they got married. And we know the pastor. He was a friend. And so we go to the prayer meeting. And so we're in the prayer meeting. And Danny shared this testimony. He's there. He's not praying. He's not thinking about anything about his construction company. He's praying about stuff, and he's thanking the Lord, you know, that his daughter married a, you know, a born-again believer and a good boy and, you know, how well everything went. All of a sudden, God says, I jammed the fax machine. I so knew what? it. I knew it. I jammed the fax machine. <laughs> oh. And instantly, Dan understood God had jammed the fax machine so that bid never came yeah. through. So oh. Dan wouldn't have used the bid. And they would have not gotten the job. He wouldn't have been in that predicament. Mm. He wouldn't have had that problem. God jammed the fax machine. But then Dan, the man with the plan and all his ingenuity, yeah. he just takes matters in his own hands. He thinks he's so smart, so slick, and so great. He got it done. And I'm not saying this disparaging of him. I'm just saying it matter of fact. You know, it's like, you know, he got it done. And he, I remember him even talking about other people couldn't have done that. You know, I got it done. <laughs> Just like, I had the connections. like Jacob. And, yeah, like Jacob. And, yeah, and so God jammed the fax machine. <sighs> and so here's the other thing. I think it's Psalm 34 where it says, this poor man cried and the Lord delivered him from his problems. But the implication in the Hebrew is that the man caused the problems. And so right. when we did cry out to the Lord, he did get us out of the problems. Of course, we did lose that humongous chunk of money and almost went out of business but god was merciful and he got us out of there and it's so funny like we don't understand god why did he tell him two years later yeah. in the middle of nowhere why is he revealing to him you know that i was the one who jammed that fax machine i was gonna and ask you that that exact question <laughs> if you thought that that god you know did that <laughs> yeah well god just 
called him. Wow. <laughs> and he knew instantly what God meant when God said that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God gave me understanding of it. But it's just amazing. Sometimes God shuts a door and we need to leave it shut. Yeah. You know, we don't need to be banging doors down. God can open doors. <laughs> God can shut doors. He can open a door that no man can shut. He can shut a door that no man can open. And so we can't, we're not supposed to manipulate. We're not supposed to try to make something happen. We pray, Lord, if this is your will, do such and such. And then we try to make such and such happen. No. Right. We got to rest. We got to trust. We got to wait. We hate waiting. Amen. We don't like waiting. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like getting off the throne and letting God be on it. We want to control and we want to do it. But we got to trust and we got to wait. And waiting is not fun. Waiting is yeah. irritating. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> and especially in today's society. We're impatient. You know, we get overnight shipping and yeah. drive up eating and just bring it to my house. And, right. You know, instant communication. I mean, we're not used to waiting for anything for us Americans. I mean, I know in other countries they still have to. But, right. but for us. We don't want to wait. And Dan's thing was do it yesterday. Yep. You know, right. that's he had a big sign. Do it now. You yeah. know, like you don't wait. You get things done. But when he wanted something, he wanted it yesterday. You know? Wow. Amazing. <laughs> it was he, he was somebody who got things done and God used him on the mission field and used those gifts and abilities. He was a natural leader. People all over the world, doesn't matter. They never met him before in his life. They would instantly listen to him and follow him. I mean, if you remember the old commercial, when Dan spoke, E.F. Hutton listened. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because that was the personality he had. I mean, God did literally put him before kings and presidents. He actually was able to lead the president of Nicaragua and the vice president to the Lord. Wow. And then members of Congress, he spoke to different Congresses in different countries and, and he could, he could preach to, you know, doctors, lawyers, janitors, farmers, housewives, you know, homeless people, whatever. He was a chameleon. He just, he could just relate to the person on their own terms and talk to them where they were with the lingo they could understand and and he was very personable and he could connect with people and it was it was something how the attributes god gave him god used and i remember trying to be like him it didn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> i am not him right i cannot be him i wasn't made like him and it didn't ring true it didn't work for me it didn't fit for me and we can't be somebody else. We don't like who we are a lot of times. We want to be better. We want to be different. But God knit us together in our mother's womb. Right. We're fearfully, wonderfully made. He gave us our personalities. He gave us our attributes. And we got to take everything we are, uh, however we evaluate it, good or bad, you know, because some of the stuff we think is good isn't, you know. Yeah. And we got to put it all in God's hands. Amen. Everything. Paul, or, yeah, yeah. He said, in my weakness, I'm made strong. Why? Because where your weakness is, you're dependent on God. You're getting his strength. So our problem is we try to depend on ourselves in our strength. No, we got to give up that strength. We got to submit that strength to God. Now we get God's strength. 
because our puny little paltry temporal human you know finite mind and will and strength and ability is not going to get the job done yeah so we gotta die to self every single day if any man wants to come after me jesus said let him take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever seeks to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find, find it. it and the cross was an implement of execution of death so our cross is to die on we're to die to our wisdom die to our will die to our desires die to our strength die to our ability die to any of our attributes or qualities or anything of self i am crucified with christ therefore i no longer live jesus christ now lives in me and the life that i now live i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me i don't frustrate or set aside the grace of god because if righteousness comes by the law, Christ died in vain. Right. I don't try to do it myself. Because if that's how my right living comes, he died for nothing. No, he died to be all in all. For me, to die is gain, to live as Christ. You know, he wants, therefore, beloved brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer yourself a uh, living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and don't be conformed to this world but transformed by renewing your mind so you can find that good and perfect will of god you can prove it and a living sacrifice a sacrifice dies so how can it be a living sacrifice because when we die to self we get the life of christ right he said I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He said, I am the life. He said, whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't have the son doesn't have that life. So we get God's life in place of ours. So when we die to self, it works. Amen. I mean, that's what it has to do. And, and when Dan died to self with the alcohol, he says, I can't do this. Help. Then he got the power of God. Then God did it. Right. And so when we give up and let Jesus take over, then he who began a good work in us, he's faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If we keep doing that. Right. And he who called us is faithful who also will do it. And when we quit doing God's job, then he can do it. And he can do it without our help. He can do it right. He can do it fine. And we just have to let him. We got to get out of his way and get into the way which is christ and just let him have his way so that he can do this he can keep us from stumbling he can present us faultless before the throne we can't do this we have this trust toward god through christ not that we're sufficient of ourselves as to think of anything as being from ourselves but all of our sufficiency is from christ who made us sufficient as able ministers of this gospel. And God does it. And he said, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. No thing, nothing. <laughs> and we set about to do it ourselves. And we all have to learn that. And that's part of our process is, is trying to learn that we can't do this. We have to learn to die. Then we have to die. Then we have to stay dead. <laughs> Amen. Get out of our own way. So, yeah, so the Lord can live. And 
when we die, we get him and we get his life. And so that's something I know Dan learned, like, like even when God called him into the ministry, he didn't have a plan. He didn't know why I shared last time. He did have his own idea in the beginning. <laughs> he he just thought, okay, we're going to be missionaries to the Philippines because, because we had gone there. So he's ready to just sell everything, move over and live in the Philippines the rest of his life and be a missionary there. And then that's when I was praying, Lord, <laughs> I'm not feeling this. If this is you, you got to tell me. Because yeah. I'm not getting this from you. I, I don't, I don't, I haven't gotten anything from you about this. If it's not you, Lord, you got to tell Dan because he's ready to move. Yeah. And and then he was telling me, you know, I shared this last time. He's like, I think I shared it last time. And he's like, you're just covetous. You got to let go of your yeah. country. You got to let go of your home, your house, <laughs> right. your kids, your plants, your animals, your flowers, everything. You got to let it all go. And but God showed him that that wasn't what we were doing. And he did end up sending us to 27 different countries and five different continents and all over the world. And he had a different plan and we did travel. And I don't even know how God showed that to him. I guess he's just started opening other doors. And I remember <clears throat> the Lord called Dan. We're at a camp meeting and the preacher said, turn to luke 5 like verse 20 something and as dan turned there instead of verse 20 something his eyes fell on luke 5 10 i believe it was and it says don't be afraid from this day forward i've called you to fish for men and god just jumped that off that page into his heart and he was called and then he told me god just called me to preach and it was interesting that was a saturday and then camp meeting was over. Monday, we were sojourning there for a while. Lauren Larson invited Dan to come share testimony at the Bible college in the chapel service. And we'd been going to the chapel services for years and no one had ever asked Dan to get up and share. Wow. And Dan didn't tell anyone he was called. He only told me. Huh. But there God opened a door. Yep. And then there was another time Dan was going to see David Borg, one of the professors at the Bible College. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Dan, hey, I was just thinking about you. I'm supposed to preach chapel today. And I've been praying and praying, and I, I have, I'm not getting anything. I just keep seeing you, and I just keep feeling you're supposed to do it. <laughs> and I didn't even know you were here. I want you to do chapel. <laughs> wow. And so with 10 minutes preparation, Dan got up and brought a message there. Amazing. And I remember the lord confirmed the word to him after he gave him that verse he's now he's back in his office in the construction and and he did do both for for many years and so a guy calls him up and this guy had called him when we were in baton rouge and said hey dan what do you think of this purpose-driven life book and thing and instead of dan going into that because this was an unbeliever, Dan just said, hey, listen, you want to read a book? Why don't you read God's book instead of man's book? Right. And you know, hey, that's a good idea. And and it's interesting because never told anybody this. And he's the only guy I ever told, but he told them to read the book of Romans. He goes, I would normally tell people to read the book of John. 
Yeah. I don't even know why I told him to read the Book of Romans, but he did. He told the guy to read the Book of Romans, and and that was that was that. It wasn't somebody he ran into very often or talked to a lot. Just somebody he knew. So now it's months later, and this guy calls him up, and it's in the spring of the year, and he says, "Hey, Dan, I just wanted to thank you." And he said, what? He goes, remember when you told me to read the book of Romans? And he's like, oh, oh, yeah. He goes, well, I took your advice and I read it. And then I read it again. And then I read it again. And then I read it one more time and I got saved. (laughs) Hallelujah. And he said, thank you for being a fisher of men. Huh. And so God had just given that verse to Dan, don't be afraid from this day forward, I've called you to fish for men. And so this guy said, thank you for being a fisher of men. And so that went all over Dan and he was just so excited. And he's now he leaves work, it was right at quitting time. And he gets in his truck, turns it on and the stereo comes on. And the song comes on from a buddy of ours from the Philippines. And the first thing the song says is, don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid. Oh, man. <laughs> Isn't God awesome? Yes. Yes. And so <laughs> he came home. He's all excited and told me that. And I remember it was as Dan's, you know, he's talking about it was still during the time when he's talking about moving to Philippines, but then he's not. And now it's March of the year. He was called in November, late November. So now it's March and I'm just praying and I'm like, Lord. I know what you told Dan and I know the confirmation you gave him and you know, I'm his wife and I got to go along, but it would, it would help me a lot if you gave me something, you know, just something to help me to help believe. And is there anything you could give me about his call and stuff? And so now it's March and we go down to Mexico. And David Borg, a professor from the Bible College, goes with us. And Dan's doing evangelist stuff. So now we're going that morning. We're going to a Bible college to teach. And David Borg is going to teach his students at the Bible College. And Dan was talking to him that morning. He had several nights of evangelism. And Dan had told his translator, who's also a preacher, he said, hey, Ariel, you know, I got seven nights. I, I'm good. I'm, I, I'd love to teach you. will preach them all. But if God one night puts a message on your heart and, and you really feel like the Lord wants you to do one, I'll give you one of my nights. And so the night before, Dan had given him his night. And he preached the service instead of Dan. And so now we're going to the Bible college where David Borg is supposed to teach. And Dan's talking to Dave Borg, and he says, you know, I'm a little jealous of giving my service to Ariel. I told him I would, and I did, but I just love preaching. I have this burden for souls, and, you know, it wasn't easy. And Dave Borg says, I want you to teach this morning at the Bible college. And Dan's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) He goes, no, I, I want you to teach. And he goes, hello, Professor Borg. (laughs) professor of the bible college we're going to the bible college you're the professor you're (laughs) the teacher you're supposed to teach he goes i feel like god told me you're supposed to and so dan with 
10 or 15 minutes notice has to teach three, four hours at this Bible college. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm, I'm sitting there. He put me in the back of the room for something we were doing, a, a thing we were doing, collecting papers and stuff. Anyway, I'm sitting there listening to him. And Dan was a numbers guy. He could tell you how many yards of concrete were on a project in 1978. He could tell you you somebody's phone number. He just remembered numbers. They just stuck like Velcro to his head. But he could not remember words. You know, like to the day he died, if he tried to quote, quote John 316 just sitting around the table, he wouldn't have gotten it right. But it was different when he was operating in his call as i said he who called you as faithful also will do it he was up there and the scriptures just started flowing out of him as he's teaching the message of the cross and i'm sitting there saying my husband does not think like that he does not (laughs) process information like that he cannot remember scripture like that that's not my (laughs) husband that is the holy spirit that is not dan oh man (laughs) and that was how God showed me his call because that was not him. He was not capable of doing that. And that's why if we stick to our limitations and our abilities, that's all we have. Right. But he didn't. He didn't even have time to prepare. He just went up there and said, okay, God help me. And God did it. And God did in him what he could never, ever, ever do. And as he taught the message of the cross, scriptures would just flow out of him like a river. Amazing. And it was amazing but yet like i said if we were sitting at the table at lunch he couldn't say one of them even one that he's said hundreds of times he couldn't get it right (laughs) it was the anointing it was the holy spirit filling his mouth and empowering him and me i can remember words and i can't remember numbers so you know (laughs) we had different abilities but this was god's ability and god did this and God just opened doors for pastors' conferences, and we—I—I I don't even know how God did it. He just did it, and we started teaching pastors, and God would move mightily, and Dan would—he'd share his testimony, he'd share the word. A lot of times he taught Romans six, seven, eight. That was a, a lot of what he did. Sometimes Hebrews ten later, you know, different passages and things, and the pastors would end up so many times on their knees, on their face, weeping. The, sometimes, you know, we're on dirt floor places in these poor countries, and the ground would be mud with their tears. I mean, I, I remember one. It was a nice place, a, a salon you would rent, you know, uh, like a hall. You know, like we would rent a VFW or something, you know. Uh, you rent a place to have a party. So they had, it's called Salon of Events. And so... The pastors rented this place. We had the pastors conference and they were hard. They were prideful. They were not receiving the word. You could feel resistance. You could feel what was going on when people were receiving the river of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit would just flow. It would go. But sometimes it's like hitting a brick wall and bouncing back at you. And so this one, there was resistance. And so we take a break and we're talking about stuff at the break. Well, in the courtyard, they had these peacocks. It was a garden and stuff and they had peacocks and there was a female peacock up on a railing of a balcony and down in the courtyard was this male peacock. 
and the female's pretending she doesn't know he exists and he is down there putting all his plumage out he's strutting his stuff his feathers are all open spectacular plumage everybody's looking at him he's wiggling his feathers and he's making these pitiful sounds like peacocks do like or whatever they make these funny sounds and you know he's just wailing and he's doing that and it was interesting i said to dan i said lord just gave us a sign look at that that pride like the peacocks says it's just like those pastors in there and so we get back from the break and dan starts out and he says lord just gave us a sign <laughs> <laughs> he said you saw that peacock and then he went into james god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble did you see the pride of that peacock did you see him over there showing off all his stuff and did you hear those horrible sounds he was making that's us we're prideful but God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that word resist, that means God sets an army against you. So he, God is not just not giving you grace. He's against you when you're prideful. And we got to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God mm. so we can get the grace of God. And that's how the second session began. And, you know, it got into that and it just led into that. And it, the, end of that one the pastors were weeping on their face at the altar in humility and the power of god was there the presence of god the grace of god just touching and flowing all over them and it was a great and mighty move of god because he he gives grace to the humble right therefore humble yourself before the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time and so you know we have to humble ourselves because we're nothing we are we're, we're ridiculous and we think yeah. we're something when we're nothing i mean right. we're looking at ourselves those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise and and we are uh, we are nothing you know people say oh you can determine the worth of something by the price that's paid no not necessarily there's a lot of people who've been scammed and paid too much for something that was worthless right. and then found out they got scammed. Or beanie babies, those little bean bags. Oh, yeah. They were selling for you know $180, $200. Now you can get them all day for 25 cents at a yard sale, you know? <laughs> yeah, the same one. That doesn't mean it was worth it. It just meant people went crazy. And so when we look at the cross, they say, look how much I'm worth because Jesus paid that price for me. No, that's not how much you're worth. It's how much your sin costs. The wages of sin is death. It was how pricely and costly your sin was that it cost the life of God's own son. It was your wickedness, your, your evil, your sinfulness that cost that, not your worth. And people say things and they sound cutesy and clever and we just run with it without ever examining it or considering it. Right. No, God said we're worth more than many sparrows, you know? That's yeah. what we're worth. <laughs> Amen. But he loved us anyway. He loved the ungodly. And his love didn't let us go. And his love paid that price for us. And he wants us adopted into his family. And so he gave his life for that. And he, he did pay that price. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he paid that wage. He paid a debt he didn't owe because he didn't sin to pay one we couldn't afford to pay. And people who don't 
put their faith in Christ, then they end up <laughs> eternally trying to pay that, which they can't, the right. second death. Yep. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit eternal life. Our sin can't go to heaven. So Dan, he was the, the best evangelist I ever, ever, ever knew. If he he was always evangelizing. <clears throat> if he was awake, he was preaching. He wasn't a platform evangelist. He didn't just preach when he was scheduled to from seven to seven forty-five. No, he preached in the restaurants, in the hotels, on the streets to homeless people, in the gas station, you know, anywhere, everywhere. He was always sharing the gospel with somebody. And when he was sleeping, he was preaching. <laughs> He's got a giant tractor trailer it's still there now you drive tractor trailer right kirk or you know you drive different a smaller one yes 30 foot straight well, truck i drive okay but you know tractor trailers yeah. obviously everyone does yep. so dan took a trailer <clears throat> and he made these big signs on them your way or god's way jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me will you spend eternity in jesus then on the other side, and these this is big. It's the size of a tractor trailer, you know, size of the trailer. And then it says, sin has separated you from God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Are you washed in the blood? And then on the end, he had a cross that said, it is finished. And he put that out in front of the construction office, right on a U.S. Highway 11. And so we're one of the main north-south routes here. And so we get a lot of through traffic. So that's there for people to see. Well, it's interesting. Before it was ever even finished, before it was ever put out there, it took a couple months to get, you know, everything put together, get the, the signage for it, get it put on, painted, et cetera. Our town had two town meetings about the tractor trailer, about the trailer <laughs> and what they were going to do about it. It wasn't even out there and they're already talking about it. And so once we put it out, then they, you know, came against Dan and said, you know, we're going to fine you so much per day. You can even go to jail. You got to get it out of there. And so that, that was going on and, and some, it was on the news. That's what it was. The news started talking about it. And then Dan, he's shrewd. He was sharp cookie. And everything they asked him, he put Jesus in. <laughs> he talked about the Lord. <laughs> no matter what they asked him, love he brought it. the gospel into it. He goes, they're going to edit this thing. And they're going to try to take it out. So I'm not going to give them anything they can take it out of. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so no matter what they say, they're going to get something. And that's what he did, and it was on the news, the local news, and ended up being on some other news. And, of course, it had the picture of the trailer, and that has the gospel on it. So that was going out on the news. And then it ended up being on some other, um, you know, internet, different things. It ended up being on truckers' websites because then they started talking about it, and it had pictures of the trailer on it. And huh. so it became a thing, and so the message of the trailer was spreading far beyond the people driving by. Yeah. And this woman in Watertown heard about it and she was a pastor's wife and their church had had some legal problems and they had this um, organization that helped them and they were designed to help Christians uh, with their constitutional rights, Christian law association. We tried a couple other people, Jay Seculo, somebody else, I forget who else, um, another Christian law association type place. And 
it wasn't something they did, but God makes connections yeah. and God does stuff. So he had this one contact us, give us the information. And they were people who defended constitutional rights. So they came in to fight our town um, for infringing on our constitutional rights. While that's going on, I believe it, I don't know it, but I believe it was a code enforcement officer. Somebody reported us to the DOT, Department of Transportation. So they come by and they, they, you know, they got this rules like, oh, your sign needs something else and your fence needs to be moved a few feet and you got to get that trailer out of there. (laughs) (laughs) It's in our right of way, which it wasn't right. And so Dan, Dan had already gone up and down the road and found lots of trailers that had signs on them. You know, the Kinney Drugstore trailer, they had a whole bunch of them there. There was Richardson's flooring, you know, and he's got his tractor trailer that has his flooring business on there. Here's, you know, scooter satellite thing. Here's the florist. All these people got signs on their on their vehicles. Nobody's taking them to court. And like Dan said, you know, if it said Budweiser, nobody would care. But it said Jesus. Yep. And the name of Jesus, the gospel's an offense. And that's why they got upset and got nervous. Yep. And so now the state of New York's coming after us. And so they did have one law that you couldn't have signs from two different directions that could be read at the same time. So the one on the one side and the one on the end, you couldn't have that. So we understood that and in compliance we took down the one on the end that had a cross and it said it is finished but before we took that down (laughs) we had a phone call and a woman a young lady who worked at radio shack said are you the one who has that tractor trailer on route 11 he said yeah what does it mean on the end when it says it is finished and so Dan found out she worked down at the radio shack and she goes, my, he said, my wife and I will be right down. And we went down there, witnessed to her. She was moving the next day to somewhere down south. So we didn't, she didn't end up getting saved, but she was, she wanted to know more. We gave her tracks, we gave her Bible, we gave her videos, we preached to her and off she went. And one day the UPS guy came in and he said to Dan, Dan left it with a question. Are you washed in the blood? And he goes, I don't know if I'm washed in the blood. How do I know if I'm washed in the blood? (laughs) And so Dan preached to him. And then he came in a week or two later. And I had given Dan these Christmas cards that talked about the greatest Christmas gift ever that wouldn't tarnish, wouldn't rust, couldn't be stolen, would never decay, whatever. And it was the gift of salvation. And it, it, you know, it presented the gospel and it had a sinner's prayer on the back. And so Dan gave those to people, you know, that he was associated with, engineers, architects, suppliers, whatever. And he gave one to the UPS guy. So the UPS guy, as God's working on his heart, he's wondering if he's washed in the blood. He's just under conviction. And then he tells Dan later, he goes, and so I'm in my truck. And I'm like, where is that card? Where is that card? And he found the card Dan gave him that had the sinner's prayer on the back. And it was up on his visor. And then he prayed the prayer and got saved. <laughs> oh, wow. So so God was using it. There was another young lady. And she was at my daughter's church. And she said, you know, I used to see that sign. And I hated it. I don't know why. I just despised it. I hated that sign. She goes, and then I got saved. And one day I'm driving by that sign. I'm like, oh, I love that sign. She goes, wait. Wait, I used to hate that sign. I love that sign now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
and she loved it. So anyway, we're fighting. Now we're, we're getting in the battle for New York State. We're still fighting the town. And the lawyer said, you know, it would be a lot better if the town case could get cleared up before we go into New York State. And so they, they advised us to get people to pray. So we got a lot, bunch of people praying. And I don't even remember how, but that got resolved. Their, their laws were not constitutional. They weren't even well-written or well-designed. And they basically got thrown out. So now they tell us we have to take a federal case, or Dan has to, take a federal case against New York State hmm. for infringing on, was it the 14th Amendment, free exercise of religion, and the First Amendment, free exercise of speech, and, you know, infringing on our rights. And so he had to take New York State to court. Wow. And so while it was in court, even in the preliminary stuff, <clears throat> they're doing their thing, they're presenting the case, and Dan found out one of the lawyers was a golfer, and Dan was a golfer. So Dan sent him some golf balls and golf tees. Well, Dan was an evangelist. <laughs> and he was an evangelist before he was officially called an evangelist. He just started out preaching. So on his golf ball, he would have different things. Like, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Thanks be to Jesus, you know? Because if somebody finds a golf ball, yeah. you know, it was lost. Now it's found. But he's making the analogy, so was he. And then on his golf tees, you know, question, why did Jesus die? Answer, for your sins. Or, or on the golf ball, only the shed blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. You know, he would, wherever, he just had stuff. So he sends those to the guy. And the guy's like, wait a minute. He got him. He's like, do you have other stuff like this? He goes, oh, tons of it. So Dan, he said, send it to me. So Dan sends him pictures. And Dan has scriptures on his heavy equipment. You know, um, I don't know, different scriptures. You know, evangelistic scriptures or, you know, the message of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God. His companies, Acts 2 Construction, building bridges for Jesus. On the guy's work shirts, you know, it has a scripture on him. On his office wall, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. When he did advertising for the company, it was only a ruse to get the gospel. He'd say, hungry, thirsty, you know, it's at a restaurant, you know, on a placemat. Jesus said, if you're hungry, come and eat the bread of life. If you're thirsty, drink of the living water, you know. And then wow. he'd go into a scripture and he'd put the name of the company there. He was selling topsoil. And in the yellow pages, it said, um, under the topsoil thing, it said, better to receive Jesus while you're on top of the soil <laughs> instead of when you're under it. And so he so covered every angle, every angle he covered. Oh, yeah. He had, he had stuff at the skateboard park. You know, are you lonely? Are you confused? Are you depressed? Here, and then he, and he preached a little gospel message on this big, like, plywood side, size sign. And then offered a free Bible to people. Gave them a website to go to. Just everywhere and anywhere. You know, wow. got a brick at the town park. You know, people put, they, they would buy these bricks in the town park. And you'd put in memory of so-and-so. So he said, in memory of Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes a father but by me. And he got a big giant brick with that on. And, <laughs> and just everywhere there was stuff. Wow. So he presented that. And then the judge said, you cannot separate the evangelist Dan from the business owner Dan. 
And he has a right to do this because he saw that he was doing this and he can use his business to evangelize. And so New York State had to withdraw the whole (laughs) court thing, which was threatening us with a felony and jail time and mega fines. You know, I forget how much, you know, per day. And they had to pay the lawyer's fees. (laughs) Not today, Satan. Uh, and so wow. that tractor, that trailer is still sitting there and that gospel is still sitting there. And so then he put up another little one near our house, one for the Amish, because so, they go by our house all the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he, he just always, always <clears throat> shared the gospel all the time. And, and it, I don't know how many. I know at least tens of thousands came to the Lord because of him. And here's the thing. We talked last week. Dan's book, we we're on a bus in Mexico, and, and Dan turned to me and said, God just spoke to me, told me to write a book, told me to call it How to Live for God in Plain Language. And a couple of years went by, nothing happened. He was so busy running a construction company, doing his other stuff, and traveling the world preaching. He's like, when am I ever going to get time to write that book? I said, well, if God told you to write it, I'll give you a time. You know, maybe right. he's teaching you more stuff to put in it. And so we did have a time. We're down in Baton Rouge and had a little time when we weren't traveling. And he just went every day to the Bible College Library. And every day he just said, what do you want me to write? What do you want me to write? What do you want me to write, Lord? And he just wrote. But it was once he got cancer. And we had to stop our travels abruptly. <laughs> we we had to cancel some, and then we had to send some people to cover for us for some. As all of a sudden, you know, hospital surgeries, et cetera, treatments. But that time when he was here home, that gave him opportunity to do all the multiple rewrites of everything, to oversee the editing process, to you know, the formatting, everything. And it was less than two months before God called him home. He got to hold the first copy. And God God knew he was taking him home. And God preserved 28 of his teachings. And right now, you know, we're giving that out to ministers of the gospel in, I think, 20 countries and two languages. Dan never saw the Spanish. He got the translation started, but... He was long gone to heaven before it was done. But anyway, um, God kept those teachings. And another thing God did, one day Dan told me that God was telling him to close Acts 2 construction. And I was confused because God told him to open the Acts 2 construction. I'm like, wait a minute. Right. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Why, why would he close this? Are you sure? And, and at the time, he had Lyme disease, so I thought, well, maybe he's confused, you know, maybe, because last time he had Lyme disease, it, it caused some confusion. But it was God, and God knew he was calling him home, and God knew I wouldn't have a clue what to do with a construction company. He also knew his office manager was embezzling, you know, Man. and he just, God just had him it took over two years to finish out all the projects get everything done auction off the stuff pay off all the debts close off everything do all the legal paper paperwork disincorporate or whatever you do and i wouldn't have been able to do that especially 
as a sorrowful, grieving widow, you know, yeah. hard enough just to manage life. I wouldn't know what to do. And like I said, that office manager who I would have trusted in was the one who was stealing <laughs> and embezzling, especially while we were gone out of the country. Wow. And God knew that too. But and we, we forgave her. I still pray for her to this day and her family, you know, because you have to. Right. That's what the Lord says. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who persecute you. And don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. And so anyway, God did that. God had that shut down. And then while he was sick, you know, he couldn't have been running a construction company right. while he was in and out of the hospital and doing stuff and traveling to treatments and all that. But during that time, that allowed him to finish the book, too. And let me say something about you know, when a loved one passes, because you go through all kinds of stuff. And I know for me, the what ifs, what if we did this different? What if we did that different? Did I, you know, did I give him bad advice? Did, you know, should we have done something else? And I know it was either the day, I guess it was the next day after the Lord took him home. The Lord spoke to my heart and he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean out on your own understanding. That's what he said. But what I heard, even though I heard that inside, I basically heard or understood, trust me, don't try to figure this out. Right. That's what he was saying to me. And then the other one he gave me um, was that one in Revelation 14, 13, that blessed are they which die in the Lord from henceforth, even forevermore. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. And I'm seeing, you know, three and a half years later, Dan's resting from his labors. His works are still following him. People are still getting saved. People are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. People are getting the message of the cross from the books his radio teachings that are going out in many latin american countries his tv programs you know he's got stuff on youtube people are still getting ministered to yeah. from it so his works are still following him amen but a different verse the lord had somebody send to me once and it's from psalm 139 16 and psalm 139 talks about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made and how God knows us before we're born. He knits us together in our mother's womb. He's forming us, making us while we're still in the womb before we're born. And then it says in verse 16, it says, all my days were fashioned. Oh, wait, all the days of my continuance were fashioned when as yet there were none of them. You fashioned all the days of my continuance, when as yet there were none of them. So somebody sent that to me, and I like to do word studies and stuff. So I went to the verse, and I started looking up some of the words. And continuance means your lifespan. It means how many days you will continue. It says the days of your continuance. How many days are you going to have on this earth? And that word fashioned, that all these, all the days of my continuance are fashioned. Fashioned means pre-planned, pre-ordained, predetermined. So the very day you're going to die is already predetermined before you are born. So even if that didn't take them out, something else would have taken them out. And actually, it was you know compounds of infections and things that 
you know, all that stuff. Anyway, I don't want to go there. That got him out of there. But but God allowed it. It was his time. The Bible says to everything, there's a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. And this says the very day that we're going to die is predetermined. It's preplanned and it's preordained. Right. Somebody dies at one week old as a newborn. Somebody else gets hit by a car when they're seven years old. Someone else has an unexpected heart attack at 49. Someone else dies at the usual age of 70 or 80. But then somebody else lives to 107. You know, we don't know how long we have. Right. But we have to consider our end. And we have to consider what comes after that end. So we can have everlasting life. Because Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never die. And then he said, whoever believes in me, even if he does die, will live again. Right. So, wait, that doesn't make sense. He said we never die. But then he said, if we do die, how does that work? One is talking about physical death. If you do die, you'll live again if you're believing in him. But if you believe in him, you're never going to die. That's talking spiritually. You have eternal life. Your spirit will never die. Your body will die but your spirit will, your spirit and soul will go to heaven. But if you don't believe in him, you're already dead. Amen. We're born dead in sins and trespasses. And then we have the second death. If we're born once, we die twice. Physical, spiritual, eternal death. If we're born twice, born physical and then born spiritual, we'll only die that one time. And then we'll have, we will already have eternal life and we'll live forever. And so we have to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith we have to be diligent to make our call and election sure we have to consider our end we have to consider the judge of all the world he's the one we'll stand for stand before and god committed that judgment to jesus and he's the one who paid the price to save us buddha didn't die for us muhammad didn't die for us they're still in the grave <laughs> jesus died but he rose again because he paid that debt and he gave us that promise of eternal life through faith in him, through faith in his sacrifice. And that faith means putting our trust and dependence and reliance on him. And Dan did that. And I know where he is. Amen. I know he's up there with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'll see him someday. It'll be different, but hey, God already showed me that it's going to be fine and it's going to be good. Right. And that's another story. But wow. God knows what he's doing. And, you know, he's got me down here for a reason. Right. <laughs> he didn't take us together. And, and and I think of other times when people tried to kill Dan, not just with the drugs. When we went on our trip to the interior of Nicaragua on a canoe trip, an eight-day canoe trip, on the river between Nicaragua and Honduras to these remote Indian communities where there are no roads. You take this little puddle jumper plane and land on a grass airstrip. And even then they're telling us, you can go, but your luggage, will, this is Thursday. You can go, but your luggage will come Tuesday because they only have two flights a week. And we're getting on a boat the next morning, and we need everything. You need huh. your food. You need your water. You need your yeah. clothes. You need mosquito net and sleeping bag, etc. And so we can't go without our stuff. And who knows if it would ever even get there. So we ended up, we had to leave one of our guys, who was a native Nicaraguan, 
we had to leave him in Managua and all his gear to make room for ours to make weight so we could bring our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long story there. There's this thing with a drunken boat captain. I'm not getting into all the testimony. An unsafe hollowed out canoe boat we were going to go on that <laughs> we didn't want to. And the boat captain comes drunk as a skunk two hours later than what he's supposed to come. Dan ends up firing him. And we'd already talked to somebody else about taking a, a real boat. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulled a knife on Dan. Thankfully, Dan didn't see it, but the other guys with us did. He tried to go off with all our gear, and I saw that. We got that stopped and wow. got that back. But God didn't let him get Dan. And while we were out there preaching to these guys, a demon-possessed guy comes running down from the hills with a machete. Huh. And he's coming to kill Dan. And four of the Indian guys tackle him, and they get the machete away from him, carry him hand and foot into the church. And then the guys are casting the demon out of him and preaching to him. I don't know if he got saved or not. He prayed, but did he get saved? God only knows. But he just, I don't know if he did, you know. And then he ran back up in the hills. And then as we're coming back, and we're supposed to stop at this one, we went upriver far and then we're coming back and we just would stop they're called communities it's like smaller than a village these settlements and we would stop at the different ones there were three basic tribes of the indians the mosquitoes and they were killing each other off for years till finally they made a treaty and coexisted so we're shortly after this treaty and so we would go from community to community and just preach to them with two translators and so we get to this one and we're we're down at the we're on the river in a steep bank to get up and people come running over the bank and they're shouting in the language to our our boat captain and and they're telling him go go and it was the village the community of that drunken boat captain that Dan fired and he made him give some of the money back he wouldn't give it all back and he had a whole posse of people waiting to ambush us. Wow. And so they came and warned us and Dan wanted to go. And the boat captain's like, nope, uh-uh. He knew how it worked and he knew what it was. And he wasn't one to go get some bunch of foreigners killed, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so God warned us and God got us out of there. And, you know, there were other times with things and God didn't let him kill Dan. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his way. Just like with Jesus, they tried to stone him, and they couldn't. Jesus walked through the midst of them. They tried to throw him off a cliff. Right. God didn't let him, but but Jesus let him crucify him, and that was it. When James was in prison, they beheaded James, but God didn't let him behead Peter. He still had a couple books to write, First and Second Peter, Amen. and God wasn't done with him. Yeah. So God didn't let Dan get killed until it was his time, and then the Lord took him home. And he's there. He's resting from his labors. His works do follow him. His book is the easiest thing to understand of any book you'll ever read on the message of the cross. I told you he wasn't a word guy, a book guy. He didn't even read books. He said, I'm going to write a book that I would read. And he made it simple, right to the point, like a New York businessman, just 
told you what God said and then explained what it meant. You know, he gave you the word of God and then he explained what God was talking about. Right. 28 chapters, easy to understand in plain language, not a bunch of theological stuff, which is good for when you need that. But sometimes you just need something simple. Right. And that's what God gave him, a gift of clarity. So as he went around the world, people understood what he was talking about. And so that's that's what that book is. Wow. That's uh so. that's quite the resume. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you only scratched the surface with a lot. You know, I yeah. want I want to uh also give a testimony of that trailer. And I haven't told you this yet. But huh. my friend Adam, the guy who originally preached the gospel to me. Okay. Um he comes up to Cross River with us. He's been on my show a few times. And uh, he had, a few years ago, he was friends with a woman who he fellowshiped with, and she was into the New Age, okay? Okay. And to the New Age people, everything is a sign, right? Every mm. Like, literally everything they see, it's a, it's a sign. Like, that's a New Age thing. Well, she's driving through upstate New York one day, and she passes this trailer, right? <laughs> Your trailer. And right after she passes it, she reads it and turns her radio on. And it just so happens to catch the Sun Life translator radio station up in that area. And, and you, there isn't one up there. Right. It's so weird. So she got the radio and Francis and Friends was on. And you and Dan were on Francis and Friends that was playing no. on the radio. And Dan Wait. is talking about the trailer, and he says about his business, it's called Acts 2 Construction Building Bridges for Jesus. Well, this woman goes nuts, and she's like, what is going on? So she called the number and called Francis and friends and said, I'm driving in upstate New York. I just passed that trailer. You guys are on the radio. What is happening right now? This is a sign. Like, what is all this about? Well, that woman then started following the ministry and learned the message of the cross and the rest is history <laughs> and the radio we don't have the radio up here i have no idea how she but heard i it. don't know how she got the radio yep <laughs> unless she had it on her phone or something but i don't even know if they had a phone back then isn't praise the lord isn't yeah. that amazing yep isn't god's timing god's we saw that so much and so many times god would just make these divine connections of of how oh on the mission field there's so many testimonies of, of how one thing always led to another we had no plan we had no agenda our plan was follow god right and you know and then he would just open doors from one country to another country to another country and one thing would lead to another and we just meet people and then that would be the contact to the next one. We were in Honduras and Mike was talking about that. Yeah. <clears throat> and Dan meets us, they meet this guy on a back road. And I forget why or how. Turns out the guy's from Chapas, Mexico, one of the southernmost states, but he does ministry in Guatemala. Why aren't we going the next month to Chiapas and Guatemala? <laughs> So that got that guy to come to those meetings to, to get more people to come. And, and it, it hooked us up with him to do things with him, too. 
but we're in Honduras on a back road. Yeah. How does God do that? Amazing. And, and I'll tell one more quick one. And Mike was with him this time. I was on the radio. Um, I was recording a program with my translator at the time. And so Mike and Mike Chory and, and Dan went off on the truck. And we had this guy who was a saxophone player. He was from Mexico, originally from Brazil, married a Mexican. And so they're driving around and they come by this soccer field. <clears throat> and there's some kids outside the soccer field. Oh. And they're like rough gang kind of kids. Yeah, Mike told me and this story. There's other kids, there's other kids playing on the field. And they're waiting for them to get off. They got their ball and they want to play. So Dan's like, stop, stop right here. They didn't have a plan. You know, yep. at that time he wasn't scheduled. So so they stop and he goes, Sam, get your horn. So he gets a saxophone, start playing. And so he starts playing. <laughs> And that gets the guy's attention and they come over and they start listening. And then Dan starts preaching to him, you know, through the translator. And he sees like who's, you know, he, he'd been on the streets. He knows how it is. So he knows who's the gang leader, who's the one. And he directs a lot of his comments to him and he's preaching the gospel. And at a certain point, <clears throat> when he's done, he gives the invitation to receive Christ and to be born again and to get your sins washed. And everybody looks to the gang leader. You know, nobody's going to make a decision or move without him. And he, like, just lightly nods his head, like, yes. And as soon as he did, the rest of them did. And they all bowed their head and they prayed the sinner's prayer. <clears throat> And so Dan looks across the street and there's a woman and her daughter across the street and she's weeping and crying. And Dan's had this happen before where, you know, somebody overhears the gospel and he ends up leading them to the Lord. So he thinks that's what's happening. So he goes over there to give her an invitation to receive Christ, you know, because the spirit of God's on her and she's crying. But come to find out she's already saved. And that gang leader who just got saved was her son yeah. that she'd been praying for for years. Wow. So God had her walking by at the same time to witness her son getting saved. And Dan just happens to drive by to preach to him. Some gringo from America yeah. who just happens to be in Honduras. Praise and God. I'll tell you, the devil fought that trip to Honduras. Every one of us had things happening, whether it was catastrophes in the business. Mike's wife was in the hospital. They, you know, they didn't know what was going on. Turned out later it was a kidney stone. The other guy, you know, they think his son's in the hospital. They think he has cancer. And my mom decides she's going to stop her dialysis and die. I mean, no. you know, there was so much warfare going on, but none of us left. We had been invited to Honduras many years. Oh, every year, somebody invited us. In. And from the first time, we, we felt like, no, we're not supposed to go. But someday we're going. We just knew it. And then the next time, next time, we sent Bibles. We sent tracts. We sent, we sent preachers. We did other stuff. But it wasn't our time. And then this time, when we got invited, we knew we were supposed to go. And so, you know, that's the thing. It's like, we knew that God knew before the foundation of the world that we were supposed to be in Honduras at that time. And he knew all this other stuff was going on. And the Bible says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So all of us, we stayed 
we did. God moved. We have testimonies of stuff God did. There were awesome testimonies, awesome, awesome yeah. testimonies of what God did. And if we had left, none of that would have happened. But we stayed where we were supposed to be. And you got to trust God. If he put you somewhere, if he told you to go somewhere, the call to leave has to be at least as strong as the call to go. Or it should be stronger. God told Abraham Took him out of Ur of the Chaldees, told him to go somewhere. And then in the time of famine, he didn't stay where God put him. He ran off to Egypt. And there he picked up a little servant girl named Hagar. And then later, he has a baby with Hagar when his wife is barren, named Ishmael. Ishmael. And out of him came all the Arabs and all the Muslims we have who are killing people and beheading people now and causing problems and terror all over the world are because somebody didn't stay where God put them yep. and went off instead of trusting God to provide and set a table in the wilderness and feed them in the time of famine. He went off to Egypt, symbol of the world, picked up a little servant girl and didn't wait on God. We talked about how hard waiting is and he didn't wait because it was seven years and nothing happened. So he took matters in his own hand and brought forth the Arab nations. Yep. Anybody thinking about wanting to go their own way, just take a look at that and see how long consequences can last. And 13 years later, so 20 years after the promise, when Sarah's 90, he's 100. There's no way the promise can happen. It's dead. God brings forth the child of promise, Isaac, from whom the Messiah comes. And he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And... You know, it's hard to wait, and we give up hope waiting. But if God promised, don't let go of your promise. Amen. It's it's coming, and he's coming. Though he tarry, wait for him. He shall not tarry. He shall come. Hallelujah. Wow, wow. Well, we're coming up on to about three hours here, Doreen. So I think we'll... No yeah, yeah, two hours and 49 minutes. So. Oh, man. It's just like praying on that dam that time. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it goes so fast. You know, the, the spirit's moving. The stories are going. Like, it's just, uh, you know, it's an incredible resume of of God. You know, it's, it's God. You know, Dan's whole story, your whole story. It's just an, an amazing example of if you keep your faith anchored in Christ, it's just an example of what God will do in your life. You know, anybody, you know, nobody, God's no respecter of persons. You know, anybody listening tonight, God will do the same things in your life if you'll just trust yeah. in him and put your faith in him. And we want to give you guys an opportunity tonight to pray with us. If you never accepted the Lord before, if you've walked away and you want to come back to the Lord, uh, we're running out of time, folks, and we need to get souls saved for the kingdom. And if Sister Doreen Burrett didn't get through to you, then there's something wrong because these testimonies were powerful. I I mean, Doreen... the. The way you've laid out the, both of these testimonies, it's just, I don't have any, I mean, I have uh, episodes on my show that have testimonies, but this was like, the way you laid it out was just, 
it, it's God, and it was it was amazing. Yeah, thanks be to God. Yeah, glory to Lord. glory to God. Glory so, to God. Amen. Tonight we're gonna we're gonna pray a sinner's prayer here with you guys. Uh, I'm gonna lead, and Doreen's gonna follow me, and then you guys just follow along, and believe in your heart that yes. this prayer, you know, that that Jesus Christ is who He said He was. And he died and resurrected three days later for your sins. And he'll come into your heart and he'll change your life and lead Mm -hmm. you and guide you. So without any more delay, dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. The way that I've lived and the things that I've done. The way that I've lived and the things that I've done. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And cleanse me. And cleanse me. With your precious blood. With your precious blood. From all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. With my mouth I confess. With my mouth I confess. The name of the Lord Jesus. The name of the Lord Jesus. In my heart I believe. In my heart, I believe that God raised Jesus. That God raised Jesus from the dead, and He is alive. From the dead, and He is alive. Right now, this very moment. Right now, this very moment. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior of my soul. I accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of my soul. And I make Him the Lord of my life. And I make him the Lord of my life. And according to your holy word. And according to your holy word. Which cannot lie. Which cannot lie. I believe that I am washed. I am washed. That I am cleansed. I am cleansed. That I am forgiven. I am forgiven. That I am saved. I am saved. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you, if you guys prayed with Doreen and I tonight and you have a born-again experience that you want to share on the show or if you have testimonies of what God's doing in your life or you just want to come on because you got questions about the Lord, reach out to me at russpodcast at proton.me. That's russpodcast at proton.me. You can also find me on social media. Just find me on there. Send me a message. Get a hold of me. Sister Doreen, it's been a pleasure. Again, I, you know, I, like I almost want to make you just be my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good time. Good time. The, the, the time flies, I'll tell you. It sure did. Amen. Yes, it did. And all eternity we'll be talking about everything he did. Amen. And it won't be long enough. You're right. Amen to that. And, you know, I just can't wait to see, you know, with with everything you said that Dan did in his life and what you've done, you know, when we all get to glory, even with this show, we're going to see how many people we've all actually reached. And and I just can't wait to see what what God has done behind the scenes that we don't even know about yet. Oh, yeah. You just told me one tonight with that lady with the trailer. Right. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. All right, sister. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'll uh, I'll keep you in the loop, and uh, I'll get this uploaded here tonight, and uh, I'll be in touch. I appreciate it. Uh, All right. Thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Amen. And guys, thanks for coming in tonight. Take care. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Sister Doreen, have a good night.